0: Welcome back to the podcast folks This is conversations with the mind Yes you are in the right place And I'm your host Shane LeMaster I want to start off by thanking all of you listeners Your continued listenership means so much to us So please continue to listen And tell your friends and family about the podcast That's how we spread this conversation And we get others involved in the conversation So thank you, thank you, thank you Also, please continue to like and share all of our posts when we put these up on social media. It is through your help that we get this message out. Our reach is only so far, but with your help, we can reach so many more people. So please continue to like and share. And if you like the content that you're hearing in these podcasts, please feel free to donate. There is a link at the bottom of whatever podcast app that you're using. Please feel free to donate to that if you find this information valuable in any way. Any amount of donation is accepted. And we appreciate everything that you are willing to donate, even if it's a dollar, even if it's five dollars. Please donate to the podcast. All proceeds go back into it to make the message better for you and please check out our youtube page support and subscribe to the mindops youtube page where we break down a number of these concepts and you can find videos on all sorts of topics that we have created so please check it out and here is a word from our sponsor the conversations with the mind podcast is sponsored by mindops.com. You can find us at wwwmind We're an eclectic counseling company providing mental health and mental performance services to individuals, small and large groups, teams, businesses, military through face-to-face sessions or at a distance using phone or confidential video chat apps. We bring a unique Buddhist-Western lens and specialize in general psychotherapy for all mental difficulties sport and performance psychology for performance enhancement, addiction counseling for any maladaptive or destructive habits, and psychedelic integration therapy to make the most from your visionary medicine work. We are available as well for corporate workshops to address the needs of your employees' wellness. And now to the good news story. All right, folks, today's good news story today comes from the Good News Network. You can find that at goodnewsnetwork.org. And the title of the article reads, Deaf Puppy Gets Sign Language Lessons After Being Adopted by Man Who is Also Deaf. Uh, So the article talks about this little puppy named Emerson who was dumped at an animal shelter at six weeks old and left to fight for his life. says that at the animal shelter, uh, Emerson was treated for being deaf, uh, suffered from seizures and canine parvovirus, a highly contagious viral illness. Um, So the dog recovered from all of uh, its ailments, obviously, except for the deafness. And um, the shelter made a a Facebook post to try and find this dog a a family and uh, a 31-year-old gentleman named Abbott says that he found this ad and was immediately drawn to it because he himself was deaf Um, and, uh, you know, upon first sight, you know, uh, adopted this dog. It was really cool. And the article goes on to talk about how Uh, Abbott has been teaching his dog Emerson uh, sign language because they're both deaf and they both connect on this level um, and they really seem to have a really special bond and he's already taught him commands for sit, lay down, stay, come and uh, he's working on the command for shake and I just thought that was really cool it really shows the adaptability of animals' consciousness uh, to be able to learn uh, hand signs like that that's really cool, I didn't even know dogs could do that but it also um, really hit home with me because uh, I have an affinity for for dogs that uh, sort of get left behind or, or, you know, get seen by humans as not being perfect, and so they get dumped off. Uh, one of my dogs, my, my Ty Ridgeback, Ty, was, uh, he was adopted twice before I got him and severely neglected and traumatized and, you know, left in a bathroom for weeks to to uh you know scratch on the door and um you know had to live in his um feces and and um, urine for weeks on end uh, while people neglected him and abused him and uh he was returned twice and um his old owners um were reported saying that you know he was unmanageable and for me you know right away he was the biggest lover um the first time I pulled him into the into the little waiting room to to get to know him to meet him he was all over me you know he was wagging his tail and at my face and he still does that to this day um you know it's all about getting these these souls good families and it's uh in my opinion usually it's not the dog's fault uh that these behaviors come out but um you know I just think this was a really compassionate story and a really uh hopeful and uh, happy story. So I hope you liked it too. Um, okay. So anyway, I wanted to get into what the conversation on my mind has been recently. And recently I've been thinking a lot about the ideas of compassion and kindness in general. Um, and you know, the more that I look at myself on a various topic, you know, most of the time I find that I have thoughts or feelings that I'm deficient in this area or that I could be doing better. And I think that's really normal for any of us. Uh, if you guys have identified some things that that uh, maybe you don't like about yourself or that you want to improve, you know, oftentimes we get these um, negative thoughts uh, that come in, like, how, how dare you? Why can't you be like this? Uh, why can't you be more like this? So I've been thinking a lot about compassion and kindness, and those were my initial thoughts that came to mind is like. Why are you not more kind than than you are? You know, you see other people acting um, more kind around you. Um, why can you not bring yourself to that level of kindness? I mean, uh, I'm not saying I'm the worst at it. You know, I definitely see a lot of people around me who are less kind and compassionate than myself. Um, and I think most of my friends and family would, would probably describe me as being kind and compassionate, at least at some level. Um, but I still feel like this is an area that I can get better. And so I'm trying to increase my expression um, of kindness and compassion by putting others first more often, and that's really hard for someone uh who grew up in the western world. Um, you know my wife points this out to me often that i I have this old behavior pattern of mine where I get trapped sometimes uh in a me like this is this is mine uh or this is this is just for me uh type of attitude especially it comes up uh, especially around food we went to a comedy show last night and you know we're required to both order two things from the menu and um she's you know she's much more empathic and sharing and giving and grew up that way and so in her mind she's thinking yeah let's let's uh let's get four different dishes and just share between us and, and we'll get to taste four different things but in my mind i'm i'm thinking you know we're given instruction to choose two for ourselves so you pick two for you and i'll pick two for me and you don't get any of mine because i want to make sure that i have um all that i ordered and uh you know she and i got in this conversation right before the the comedy show about like where does that come from and i couldn't really identify where where that comes from i didn't really grow up in a scarcity mindset or anything but oftentimes um you know, I find myself putting myself before others and, uh, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good when I recognize it. It doesn't feel good when other people recognize it and point it out to me. And it's definitely something that I want to change. Um, so I was also thinking about, you know, what would the impact on society be if we all tried to increase our expression of compassion and kindness and put others first? I think that, it's hard to imagine in a capitalistic Western society like ours, but many other cultures abide by this where you you know you put the community first, you put your neighbor first, and then you think about yourself and I'm wondering what the societal implications would be if it was like that all over the place all over the u s where you know instead of worrying about uh, what steps we're going to take and who we're going to step on to to get the next promotion and um, you know what sort of little little tips and tricks we're going to do to get ahead. Instead, uh, if our mindset was focused more on, you know, providing help and service and compassion and and aid to others, uh, I'm sure that our needs would be met as well. You know, others would be willing to step in and, and give to us in order to fulfill our needs as well. It's kind of like that pay it forward idea, um, but on a different kind of scale. So also on, on this idea of compassion and kindness, I was thinking about, you know, how it it doesn't just involve being compassionate and kind to others. I mean, that's a huge component of it, but also how compassion and kindness, for me anyway, seems to originate with compassion and kindness towards myself. That if I can't be compassionate and kind to myself, then I find it very difficult for me to even think of being that way to somebody else. It it just doesn't come to my mind unless it's something that I'm, working on for myself and again that's my egocentric self-centered self that I guess stays uh, focused on my own personal growth uh, most of the time Um, beneficial in some ways but it's just an interesting idea how how if if we want to develop compassion and kindness for others, and we want to see that out in the world, it really does come down um, to making that change in yourself first, like Gandhi said. You know, uh, changing that self-compassion, um, increasing that self-kindness. You know, being really kind to yourself and really loving. And and when you start to feel that, when you start to feel that you love yourself, it just becomes easier to give that to other people. So. With compassion and kindness, um, you know, what also came to mind was obviously uh, some Buddhist beliefs. Uh, you know, I ascribe to a Buddhist belief system for the most part, and compassion and kindness are at the heart of the Buddhist tradition and the Buddhist teachings. Um, and there's two main ideas in Buddhism that, that came to my mind anyway, I'm sure there's more, but two main ones that came to my mind around compassion and kindness. Um, First of all, this idea that we are one with everything, you know, uh, that we are all pieces of this one larger collective thing. Uh, It can be an entity or a universe or a multiverse or whatever it is. Um, We are a small fraction part of this one thing, uh, but we are an important part. And, you know, the implications of this, as far as compassion and kindness goes, means that, you know, if we are compassionate to other people and animals and nature around us. And if we are part of that one um, entity that they are also a part of, then we should benefit from being kind and compassionate to others uh, directly uh, because we're connected. We're all connected that way. So being kind to somebody else um, in Buddhist philosophy would mean that I'm actually being kind to myself as well. Um, because it because you know if i 'm being kind to a homeless man on the street, well, he is also a part of this uh, he 's part of me he is part of us he is part of this collective, and by benefiting him, I benefit the whole and I benefit myself um, so also this idea of karma um, which you guys might have heard of you know it 's been kind of bastardized here in the West. Um, but in Buddhism, karma is also a very important concept and, and much deeper than I have time to get into right now, but karma and, uh, the production of merit. So merit is, um, sort of like a ledger of, uh, positive or negative things that you do in your life and you gain positive merit or you gain negative merit. And this influences the direction of your karma in this life and in multiple lives moving forward. Um, that's the belief system in, in Buddhism because they believe in reincarnation. But karma and merit production is uh, really significant in the Buddhist tradition, uh, especially in relation to karma or compassion and kindness. So in most Buddhist countries, monks will every day you know, uh, take an empty bowl and roam, the, roam their town, roam their countryside, wherever they live, collecting alms or collecting food uh, donations from the community. And the community members will come out of their houses on a daily basis when they can and provide rice and provide food and, and things like this uh, to the monks who need the food. And by giving of this uh, food, these, um, these towns, towns members or, or these other um, Buddhists are gaining merit for their own um, karma, so they are by giving to the monks, they are increasing the likelihood that they will go on to a, uh, a better existence in their next reincarnation. Okay, and the monks also, you know, they don't just do this because they need to eat. But um, Buddhist monks are not responsible, but sort of um, in cahoots with everybody else uh, who's not a monk in that they. They want to provide as many opportunities to the general public as possible for them to acquire merit and to gain access to these higher levels of, of uh, existence. And so by going out and begging, they are providing opportunity for others to increase their merit and improve their karma. And I think that's really cool. Uh, I got to talk to some monks uh, about that, and, and it was really amazing. And, and it's a really cool uh, little cosmic metaphysical system that's, that's uh, working underneath everything so anyway those are my thoughts on uh, compassion and kindness and that was been my conversation in my mind recently it's just uh what does it mean to be compassionate and kind uh, what does it mean in different traditions how can i live better into what i idealize as um, being very compassionate and kind um So with that, we'll get to our podcast today. Um, Anyway, our guest today is a very special guest, a good friend of mine, been a friend for a long time, uh, Daniel McQueen. He's the executive director of Medicinal Mindfulness as well as um, uh, Future uh, Center for Medicinal Mindfulness, which is a spiritual nonprofit he's working on. He uh, is a self-proclaimed psychedelic therapist, uh, particularly working with uh, cannabis and breathwork. He also um, helps bring people together um, to be part of the Native American church and their activities as well. You can find his website at uh, medicinalmindfulness.org. That's his main website, or at psychedelicsitterschool.org. Okay, uh, Daniel and I met at the uh, psychedelic symposium at CU Boulder a number of years ago, where he was helping to give a talk on uh, peyote ceremonies uh, and the Native American Church, and we really just hit it off from there. And uh, I went to a couple of his breathworks, and they were really profound. Uh, had some e- exceptionally um, vivid um, visual experiences well internal visual experiences from those breathworks and it's very transformative and have had some uh, opportunities to sit in some native american peyote ceremonies overnight in the sweat lodges the day after that follow and those have also been very transformative so i wanted to have daniel on today to really talk about um consciousness. Uh, He's been a psychonaut and and an explorer of consciousness for a long time, and I really value his input as far as uh, what he's seen and what he's experienced on his journeys through the mind and through consciousness. Uh, We do get into some of uh, his other business stuff and the stuff he does for clients, uh, but we largely focus a lot on on the idea of consciousness. So it was a really, really good podcast, and uh, I really hope to have him on sometime soon. So this is episode 37, and something interesting um, about this. Uh, I told Daniel that this was the 37th episode and that number in particular had some significance to him. So uh, I thought that that was really cool. Um, Just shows us that the synchronicities in the universe come together in such a way and that this was meant to be, uh, I was meant to have Daniel on as episode 37. So I hope you folks enjoy. Oh, and by the way, uh, if you don't, if you haven't noticed already, I'm dropping my ads. So um, I found that the ads when I would listen to my own podcast were just more annoying than good so I'm dropping the ads and I'm relying uh, primarily only on uh, donations from you folks so if you do like the content please don't feel free you know feel free to donate a dollar five dollars whatever you want um, to help me uh, upgrade my system and and get this message out to you in a clearer way Um, so again I'm going to be dropping the ads for the listener's sake, and I hope that you enjoy that. I hope that you appreciate that. Uh, please give me your feedback if you do enjoy the ads, I will put them back but uh, for now they're not uh, they're not worth having it on there for me so uh let me know anyway, enjoy the podcast, and we'll get right into it. This is the Conversations with the Mind podcast where we explore consciousness through conversations with interesting people. Our mission is to engage the collective mind piece by piece to bring greater clarity of mind to our listeners locally and across the planet and to contribute to broaden the shared experiential knowledge and wisdom of existence. All right, folks, welcome back to Conversations with the Mind. I'm Shane Lamaster, and I'm here with Daniel McQueen. Thank you for joining me, my friend. Yeah, it's great to be here,
1: Shane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Um, so I always start my podcast with the same question, and that is, uh, you know, the podcast name is Conversations with the Mind, and i like to get your input as to how mm-hmm. that lands and how that resonates with you and mm-hmm. what that means as a fellow professional in, uh, you know, in, in the field of psychology and things like that. Um, what does conversations with the mind mean to you?
1: Well, the first thing that came to me was like immediately was the association with psychedelics, you know, like the idea of psychedelics being mind manifesting, right? So, yeah, you the gotta, meaning did, of the word. Yeah, you gotta like, you gotta manifest the mind or amplify the mind before you can really have a conversation with it. So, so, you know, so what if like psychedelics are like amplifying the ability to have conversations with the mind? And, um, and, to not just have a conversation towards the mind, but to receive communication back from the mind, right? Whether it's like, um, a deeper part of unconscious self or a different part entirely, or, or being able to discern different voices of the mind, right? You know, psychedelics do that. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of where my, my mind went with Mm -hmm. that question. And, uh, um, so you're talking about things like data download,
0: and connection
1: uh-huh. being amplified. Yeah, so you can actually hear what the mind is saying back to you, right? Yeah. Um, so, so it's a two way street as opposed to just talking to yourself, right? Like, so we can talk to ourselves, you know. and like, I, I talk to myself all the time. Like, uh, I'm definitely not a Buddhist in that regard, but um, um what do you mean but, by that? You know, like you know, like Buddhism and mindfulness. You know, it's supposed to silence the mind or sure. like uh, quiet the mind. Well, you know, for me, with psychedelics, yeah, sure, there's a space for that. But, like, more often than not, in my practice, I'm talking to different aspects of a person's mind. Or when I'm taking psychedelics myself, like, I can differentiate different aspects of my mind. And that I can have an actual conversation with those parts, right? Mm-hmm. And this is this would be, like, gestalt totally. psychotherapy, totally. right? And so for people who know what that is and. the... Uh, Parts work, right? Internal family systems, um, you know, like that part that's critical, the part that's scared, the part that's young, the part that's wise. And then there's the self, right? Like the idea of like some sort of witness or aspect of us that is holistic, right? Bigger than us. All-inclusive. All-inclusive. Omnipotent. Yeah. Yeah, we call it the higher self or yeah, maybe, you know, maybe is it omnipotent? Maybe, right? Through intuition somehow tapped into some Mm -hmm. higher aspect of mind, right um so is this um, like alchemy one mind you know like this larger image of the mind
0: and do um, you think that that because in previous episodes um we've been trying to discern like is there a difference between the mind and consciousness are those two separate things are is one included in the other and not you mm -hmm. know vice versa um Mm -hmm. and I'm getting a sense that consciousness is like this this higher level, this higher order of mm-hmm. um, awareness um, and then mm-hmm. underneath it is the mind, which is a tool mm-hmm. um, and it's mm-hmm. it's a tool that's not always useful right mm-hmm. in some circumstances, sometimes our mind plays tricks and we tell ourselves lies and things like that, right, yeah yeah, and yeah. then we defense have like, mechanisms yeah, even.
1: yeah. so uh-huh. just
0: like the body is a tool to experience. Mm-hmm. This physical reality, the mind is also a tool, but up above there could be this higher order. This consciousness. higher order
1: consciousness, right? And and I think we can tap right into that higher order of consciousness, totally. right? Like yeah. through mindfulness and psychedelics and martial arts, like what you do and everything. Um, I wonder, you know. So like even the term mind to me is almost loaded, though, right? It's it, it even though it's not the same as brain. Mm -hmm. it's often associated with the brain most people associate it right so or mental mental thoughts right so mental like judgments thoughts ideas things like that but for me the mind is also inclusive of our emotions and our heart space right so for me Mm -hmm. mind is what i would call heart mind you know like um and that like and and you like let's go into the gut too like we can have intuition from our body you know or our gut mind so to speak so, so and, and the term psychedelic, you know, psyche, right? I've looked up the, the definition of these words. It's often defined as mind manifesting, right? But an equally um, correct definition would be soul manifesting too, right? And so what is soul? What is soul compared to mind? And, um, and so like for me, mind kind of points towards something holistic, larger than just our what do you call it? Our chemistry, our mm-hmm. biology, um, inclusive of emotions, maybe even something we could call a light body, an energetic body, and then and then a direct contact with larger self, right? Or like what you're describing, you know, like a larger awareness or consciousness, you know.
0: So sometimes it's been described as almost like a like a singularity, um, almost like uh, we're each fractalized. Um, versions of this one larger consciousness trying to experience itself infinitely. Yeah,
1: like we're a fractal of that larger exactly. consciousness. Yeah, um, but that's we're all why. Connected. Yeah, we're all totally connected, right? These are obvious things to me at this point, right? Sure. They're, we live, we exist in within an energetic field, mm-hmm. we, and like you said, we're not like we're a fractal of the divine or a fractal of this larger consciousness. And sometimes with psychedelics, we can we can find that that image of that fractal mm-hmm. and fully identify with pure consciousness, right, or like oneness with the divine and all that. So that's
0: what I'm interested in, because um, if you are a fractal of that larger consciousness, that should mean that it is you and you are it, and you Mm -hmm. should be able to access information from that larger consciousness that may not... Completely directly. Right. Like, you know, we are that. Exactly.
1: We are that. so. So these are alchemical concepts, Mm -hmm. like as above, so below, right? Mm -hmm. But it's not. It's like we are the fractal, or we are the larger thing, but we are still part of it. And that's like we want to acknowledge that, like we are part of this divine matrix, and we're expression of the all, but we're still just a part of it. And because if we don't just acknowledge the part of it, then particularly with psychedelics or like deep spiritual states we, we might get like in the ego grand, ag- aggrandizement you know ego uh um inflation you know mm-hmm. or even delusion you know and like oh i am god therefore i can do anything i want mm-hmm. you know and uh, and so that's a misunderstanding
0: of this fractal idea mm-hmm. um also like holographic in, in nature as well mm-hmm. so that um you know, I, I, I'm I remembering, as you're describing that, I'm remembering a, a psilocybin um, experience I had one time and I had this internal vision mm-hmm. of just all these gears, like the universe was just gears turning and every there were little ones, there were big ones, big mover shakers, and little mm-hmm. tiny... For sure. But, but I got the sense that every single gear was essential, and that if you removed even the tiniest one, mm-hmm. the whole thing would collapse. Mm-hmm. And that gave me a sense that, yeah, I may be you know this it's small, just a little tiny little mm-hmm. gear in there, but I, really I am matter. just as important yeah, as really that matter. big gear. Yeah, um, yeah mm-hmm. that's, that's... I totally agree be. with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how do... It, yeah. it would make, I mean, for healing purposes,
1: yeah. your healing then is sure. essential to the healing of the universe, yeah. right? Like you matter, and that's part of what we are. That's part of our healing process is to acknowledge the both end of that statement. That we're just a little part of everything, and we really fucking matter, you know. And uh, and that my healing is essential if, to the universe's healing my waking up is essential to the universe is waking up does that make sense mm-hmm. um and so like we're almost ethically required to turn towards ourselves to heal which some people don't believe we're worthy of for whatever reason and then also to wake up you know um, remain conscious or become as conscious as possible right and that's a whole other <laughs> whole other conversation you know too like what is what do you mean by even waking up you know mm-hmm. to? awareness and
0: into the mind even you know. well i certainly feel like psychedelics as well as meditation as well as martial arts for me has been my routes in my life to tap into you know even little glimpses of you know that oneness or that that importance um, mm-hmm. that higher consciousness you know even getting a, a picture of it i went to one of your breathworks one time and um Mm-hmm. and the experience was so profound um, it was short-lived but it, it was so profound that I got it tattooed a rendition of a tattoo oh, on shit. my chest and um, you that's know, cool <laughs> z- zooming out of my body and then seeing you know seeing what looked like uh, the Big Bang exploding in this uh, geometric DNA pattern and then breathing with uh, the breath uh, of yeah the like universe like and... existence I was like mm-hmm. watching uh, creation mm-hmm. over and over and uh, so, experiences like that have certainly informed, mm-hmm. informed what I feel is what, uh, you know, it informs my understanding of consciousness. And I don't think a lot of people get those experiences these days. I get them to me- through meditation, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and flow states. Flow states are mm-hmm. fantastic for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. so so this, uh, sorry, I, I don't mean to backtrack a little bit, but um, yeah, fine. I want to talk a little bit about the Kishik Records, just a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Because... That fascinates me—the idea that this, um, this like, uh, if you could visualize, like the, the Verizon cloud where you store all your data, except this is all every thought and every experience mm-hmm. um, of humankind, animal kind, existence, mm-hmm. all up in this little cloud, and we might have the ability to access it and mm-hmm. download it. Um, Nikola Tesla talked about downloading mm-hmm. things in his sleep from places mm-hmm. like this. What do you think about um, yeah. accessing that f- through psychedelics, but mm-hmm. also through just altered states mm. in general. Oh, I totally
1: think it's possible. And, and with Nikola Tesla, I think we should just like, take for whatever he's yeah. saying. As a matter of fact, Like this is how we figured it out. And he came up with, like he, he said he could des- design uh, the blueprints of really complex machinery in his head. You know, and see it holistically before he even ever put it on paper or implemented it in the real world. He had so so. That's kind of what we're talking about here is the Sakashic records of like the holistic, all of the above. You know, all e- knowledge, all yeah, knowledge, exists, yeah. all, all not just knowledge, but all experience, yeah. every spot in the universe, right? And and so I think what we're pointing to there is just like higher dimensional perception. Mm-hmm. You know, there are places if you talk about like quantum physics. And, um, more than four dimensions of space-time right like like if you step up one dimension then all of time is is like more of a train as opposed to the um, history right or future it's actually a terrain of experience if you step up even higher than like all possibilities of time are, are existing in these like like uh, potentiality states infinite infinite states of potentiality and so really so with psychedelics or with these other things what if these are just like keys to unlocking different aspects of that perception or awareness or understanding or something I absolutely
0: loved Uh that guy that you had come talk uh, down in Boulder um, who talked about the (whistles) (whistles) my dog loves to chime in on the podcast (laughs) it's uh, great. Actually, I love that. I've made them uh officially today their official co hosts of the <laughs> they? Yeah. they always just chill right here on the floor. Um, they will be licking up water and stuff and yeah, you great. can hear them on the yeah. recording. No, it's great. I but, love that. Uh but anyway, um yeah that uh if you could give a shout out to to where people can find that talk. I know there was a re- recording of it, but he talked a lot about like it was It was the guy who um he was a he was a doctor. He did things with computer programs um Oh, Andrew Gallimore. Uh, maybe yeah. uh, to to show mm. how uh, you know models of interdimensionality mm. and stepping can, up yeah, above can, the three dimensional uh-huh. using it's like a matter DT.
1: coordinate systems and stuff. It's exactly. crazy. Yeah.
0: yeah, that just blew my mind. Uh, I never thought of it, and uh-huh. he's showing it with these um, these uh-huh. programs that are self actuating. Yeah,
1: yeah. So what if psychedelics are just really a way to open up our natural capacity to perceive higher dimensionally? Right. And there's just a you know when when you're talking about higher dimensional states, there's just infinitely more information there in that moment to perceive you know so like imagine like we're in this room right imagine this whole room opening up 90 degrees to a whole other dimension of reality it's like it would be we'd be able to perceive infinitely into these into that space Mm -hmm. um and that's what dmt does is it like opens up our capacity to perceive more than four dimensions like vis vis visually speaking
0: and how many would you say it opens up with uh with the uh the normal version that you would see like the powder the, the dmt yeah and
1: in dmt you know like so it's very visual and it's hyper dimensional um i would say it's like you're looking at like in the realm of like eight dimensions eight. or something like that whereas like anything above that like it, we're, so the quantum mechanics is talking about like Uh, 11 dimensional states you know like the 11th dimension is just basically everything (laughs) right like we can't get higher than that Um, and so that would be so that would be more like a 5 MAO DMT experience you know like unity consciousness oneness becoming all that is everywhere and everything you know completely dissolving the ego like what if that is like the highest state maybe I I don't know I don't know Um, you know because there's some because DMT might be equal, that like that high state or that unity consciousness might actually just be a territory in a particular... Space, right? Like, mm. uh, so, like, like, think of like tapping into the Akashic records. Well, here's the experience of unity consciousness. It might just be a territory, right? It might not be higher,
0: like a landscape uh, uh, that's unseen or unperceivable.
1: But you can travel there, yeah. through through your consciousness. Yeah, I like to think of psychedelic states as landscapes mm-hmm. and territories. It makes a lot more sense to me that way. You know, something you can explore instead of like passively witness, right, or or engage. You mm-hmm. know, like martial arts, right? Like, what would it mean to engage
0: an internal space or an internal experience? You know. Um, oh man, my martial arts practice has been, and I talk about it all the time on the podcast. It's been the number one thing above anything else that has given me the uh, t- the terrain or the training ground to be able to work on my inner self
1: yeah right because Mm
0: -hmm. because every single day um, Mm -hmm. you're you're experiencing ego death after ego death after ego death getting tapped out over and over and over for the first Mm -hmm. few years like a practice getting smashed (laughs) over and over Uh, and And it's persistence and resilience and determination Mm -hmm. and a lot of positive self-talk when you're when you feel like giving up and like Mm -hmm. I mean, jujitsu specifically is one of those martial arts that, you know, belts aren't just given away. Mm-hmm. Like, it takes an average of 10 years to get a black belt in jiu-jitsu. And, I believe it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I mean, it's serious business, so. Um, yeah. Yeah so, so martial, yeah, so
1: psychedelics are kind of like that, Absolutely. right? Like, you have to get tapped out 100,000 times in psychedelic state before you start gaining any sort of footing or traction, right? Like, that's what they're talking about, like. Ego death annihilation, you know, like not being in control of anything in the experience, and just having to surrender, let go over and over again. Yeah, super similar. But 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 at some point though, with psychedelics or martial arts, and this is part of what I teach, is that it's a skill set. Like navigating interstates is a skill set, and so you can like not have control over the experience, but have a capacity to engage the experience. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. You know, just as you wouldn't have control over your over a sparring partner right like that's the point of it like that's what makes it fun is that sure. you don't have control over it it's like dynamic
0: well, if, and... if I were to do um, psychedelic therapy and I'm not saying I do but if I were to um, <clears throat> I would start with you know uh, sessions beforehand uh, to almost acclimate someone to those skill sets like mindfulness tools basic yeah. breathing meditations yeah. uh, body awareness mm-hmm. um, Watching thoughts rather than engaging thoughts, mm. you know, building up skill yeah, sets to be, to be able to, mm-hmm. you know, when someone's in the experience, not just experience the novelty, but really control to, you, the directionality. To yeah, mm-hmm. to work it in the direction, mm-hmm. you know, that they need to work. Right,
1: it. that's what we call like your intention, right? Yeah, well, absolutely. To be able to make steps towards your intention is a skill set, right? And it's a mindfulness skill set. It's like my whole program is like Europa based. <laughs> it's called medicinal mm-hmm. mindfulness, right? Like it's it's a skill based how like how do we actively engage these psychedelic states or or what you would describe as conversations with the mind right like how would you like what can you do with that <laughs> In the, the the truth is it's it's very rich, you know there's a lot you can
0: do with that and um and it's gonna happen, so why not why not use it make it useful yeah. Rather yeah. than just like letting it come and go, and like, oh, what is this experience mm. all about? And I'm stuck in my job, and I'm stuck doing this, and I'm, I'm, you know, pissed off all the time at my neighbor. Like, why waste your time mm. doing that? Engaging yeah. consciousness in that way when you can
1: maybe have choice, or like, it's okay right. to be pissed off with your neighbor if you totally. choose to. But like, if it's just a pattern, then you're just trapped in it, right? Like, I mean, we all have that. We all have traps and and habitual patterns. That's the point. That's the nature of the mind, right? Or the brain, or the ego, or whatever you go, whatever we want to call it they're defense mechanisms uh, to, like i think part of us wants to stay asleep and part of us thinks it's scary to wake up and uh or to wake up means we have to look at parts of ourselves that are hard to look at or let
0: go of parts of ourselves yeah, Like, and our let go body,
1: yeah or yeah right yeah so like yeah death itself is it's a really scary. scary idea right and so they're the and and to and part of waking up uh, to consciousness is recognizing that we are completely and um, uh, permanent in this space, you know, and everyone that we love is going to die, right? Like this, these are realities, and uh, um, and so that's really scary. Um, but that's just one stage of it, right? And that there is another space beyond that that recognizes that maybe death is an illusion, or separation is an illusion, and that we're okay, right? And that's what like um, psilocybin uh, research for end of life. Um, Anxiety, right, is pointing to right. People start to identify with something bigger than their bodies, right? Mm. They start to wake up to possibility, but there's a part. There are parts of us that don't like that idea or scared of it, right? Um, And so, and so, how do you navigate those spaces? How do you speak to those parts? Uh, How do you even recognize them that that's what they're doing? You know, like those are all really um, important things. So
0: I got to ask you because this is something that. you know, I'm not the most versed in. I've definitely done my own work in in this area, but you would be somebody that I would refer others to um to do work like this. We just talked about it in the last podcast too, but shadow work like, mm. and as an aspect of self that we all have, and it's all something that we all have to deal with, like learning through psychedelic states but also through other states altered states mm-hmm. through intense physical challenges mm-hmm. or whatever rites of passage like, yeah rites of passage good um, for that too yeah and and getting through mm-hmm. that too and using it as a as a jumping off point for growth what do you mm-hmm. think i personally so
1: i was trying not to teach shadow work you know, I was thinking maybe it would be an advanced class or something mm-hmm. like that. But it, Shadow was showing up, like, in the very beginning of the program, you know, with mm-hmm. people. And, and and I started, and it took. it's taken me a long time to really learn to navigate it, like, skillfully. And it's still very hard, right? Like, um, Shadow is a big, important part, right? Like, it's a major defense mechanism. It wants to stay asleep. And it can be real defensive and reactive to waking up, right? Like that's the nature of it, right? But to, I'm starting to really acknowledge that maybe shadow work what we would call, if, if y'all have already talked
0: about shadow work. Uh, well, I was wondering if you could define it for, for the audience, what it means to yeah. you. I'm going right. to close the screening door while you do that. Sure. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> well, I like to think of shadow work as turning towards parts of the self that have been disowned or unrecognized. And so uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that those parts are bad even right Um, it's just unconscious suppressed Suppressed, unconscious judged as negative even Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they are negative right so like uh, being a sensitive guy Right, like I would consider that a positive trait, but some, maybe some other guys would be like, i um, sensitive." Being sensitive is weak, or being having emotions. That's what I was taught. My That's, whole well, life. yeah, well, me too. Something right? I'm working on. Yeah, 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 right. So, like, it's a real common experience. But so, if you're real sensitive and you care deeply as a man, it might be a shadow piece. You might not be. You might think it's girly, or you know, or like judge it in some way. So, oftentimes, shadows corresponds to some sort of gift, but because it's suppressed, it gets. Um, it comes out sideways and counterproductive, right? Like um, self-sabotaging Self-sabotaging behaviors. behavior or like some sort of, it acts out in some way that or you're not conscious. negative internal dialogue. So maybe when, it, when your sensitivity does come up, it's, it's in a negative space, like it's angry or like it's reactive or something like that. Or you bottle it in until it pops, right? So shadow work is just waking up to what we are in the realm of unconscious spaces right like um um and, it, and oftentimes it it's it can have a sphere associated with it like oh i'm afraid i'm going to be that way right um but it's 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 synonymous with waking up i don't know how else to say it you know like uh like you're wake if you're going to wake up to yourself you can't just wake up to all, you know, like the parts you like about right, yourself. Not all the good it, it's just yeah. about waking up. It's just about acknowledging who you really are. And and like yeah, and so like we've all done shitty things, right? We've all done things we wish we had done more skillfully mm-hmm. or learned some and grew from or whatever, but like this this is just part of being human that we are imperfect, right? And so and so the, the weird thing though is like when we acknowledge shadow, when we acknowledge our imperfection, when we acknowledge the hard parts of ourselves or the parts we don't like, when we and we accept them and send them love and compassion, then they transform into... Uh, the, the word we would use is transmutation, which is becoming a higher version of itself or of its expression.
0: So, um, so rather than being something that's holding you back in life, it can turn into or transform into something that... Be- that becomes a strength uh, that, you, that you embody and you know I feel that, like
1: you always were already yeah you know um, but it comes out and it's expressed because it's acknowledged it doesn't come out sideways mm-hmm. and it's expressed in a way that's like really positive it's being uh, given or allowed space to express itself um, get its needs met exactly. you know and it's and it's like so it's an unconscious part or an, un-, or an unacknowledged part like then what we call it is like bringing it back into the family of consciousness, mm-hmm. which is like usually a shadow part um, is hurt or injured. It's, some, it's oftentimes inter, um, intertwined, I would say, with traumatic experiences. Sure. And so there's a part that got split off uh, to handle that trauma for the greater good of the psyche right it couldn't ha- like you couldn't handle whatever it was or you know or whatever difficulty that was so it gets split off and made unconscious and so shadow work is literally retrieving these parts these aspects of ourselves and reclaiming that vital energy that's intertwined with it you heal the trauma and then it starts to be expressed in a healthy way
0: um, you know? I, I had an experience just like that on a, on a psychedelic one time where um, I I went into an experience of being like, I think I was four years old at my aunt's wedding in Texas, and we were staying in a hotel, and the babysitter fell asleep, and I locked myself out in the hotel uh, hallway. Uh-huh. Uh, it's like a big hotel. Nobody was around. It was like two that in the morning. Everyone's two off, in the morning? Yeah, yeah. everyone's off partying, yeah. and I was wailing. I remember feeling so helpless mm-hmm. and fearful, and it was infinite and unending. Mm. Um, curled up in a ball, shaking until somebody finally found me but um Mm. I was brought back to that experience and was given the opportunity to see Mm. myself uh like in so much fear and see all the patterns that had had manifested in my life around that trauma and not Mm. wanting to be left alone Mm. and not wanting to be abandoned and um Mm. feelings of helplessness Mm. and things like that and then Mm -hmm. the most beautiful part was I, I got to comfort my little self mm-hmm. as my big self and sort of embrace mm-hmm. me um, and it felt work through it it felt it. like mm-hmm. an interdimensional bridge like yeah. I was I was literally yeah. going back in what time if it and really provi- was and that's what this I think is, you yeah. know so
1: if, okay so it's drop actually a, providing so, comfort so for yeah 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 this is the crazy part yeah so drop or inc- go up another dimension from the fourth right fifth mm-hmm. then time becomes a territory the past is in that direction you can go into the past and retrieve parts of yourself and like reclaim them, right? So that's exactly what you did. And this is, this is the power of psychedelic medicines is, um, and how they heal is you you, uh, you you so to so that was you know that was a really hard experience by the way. And and me being a dad now, my like my oldest is um, five and a half, right? So so I know what four years old looks like Mm -hmm. you know i have a real direct experience of that and that's a little bitty you know like and and being locked out of your hotel room uh scary as shit right like like um i have a you know i have a visceral experience to that and so like and so basically you you're reconsolidating that memory you're bringing it into memory Right Bringing it out of unconscious fear into a light of consciousness, and that in and of itself is healing, and then you did it in an accepting way, and then you became your own um my own healer your own healer and you know but also your own um protective adult mm-hmm. right like, but it
0: was so empowering too, to mm-hmm. know that you know I don't necessarily need anybody else to hold mm-hmm. me to make me feel complete. I can do that for myself mm-hmm. and feel completely independently secure. Um, and not attached to, the, to mm. needing that, but still be able to mm. to let go and now be more vulnerable. And now because
1: you're not, a, yeah, right. Now yeah. I don't
0: have that that bad memory of hopelessness. Now I can lean into it a little mm. bit more and say, okay, I can push the edge here, and and that's what I'm trying to do, like softening my edges. Mm. You know, I've always been told, you know, don't cry, be a man, all these mm-hmm. things, but I'm trying to learn to be more. Soft and expressive. I mean, mm-hmm. I think when, when we first this started... This is waking up. And, mm-hmm. What you're
1: describing is yeah. waking up to self. Exactly. You know, so you've got... You know, you're a solid martial artist, right? Like, you've got some really strong capacities, right? And and so bringing those capacities into gentler spaces or, or like, a invisible relational spaces oh. and stuff, you know? It's like, so, so because you're so strong in these masculine... Capacities, right? Like you're probably equally strong in these caring, nurturing capacities, so. right? Well, mm-hmm. well, uh, let go of the hope, right? <laughs> like, so yes, I see that already in you and I've already known, I've known that for a long time with you, you know, it's like, so I, I know you to be someone that holds both of these mm-hmm. capacities, you know, it's just one is maybe less conscious than the other because I was, a, you know, the trauma of being, um, made to grow up a certain way, yeah. right? Like I, I was in the exact same, Uh, Space as you growing up, you know, like a conscious human being happens to be a man, you know And so there's certain expectations placed on us Um, It's just not all who we are, you know So, so yeah, that's a and so like that so who I think what you like so you and the child Right. So there are these so what you're pointing to is this archetypal thread of like being a protector of the of this child aspect right vulnerable scared right healing providing that nourishment and support right you being that nurturing generative adult right but now because you've had that experience you can now lean into the greater awareness of of a nurturing generative adult which is like non-physical right like it's bigger than us right like and we can we can we're never alone in that space it's always with us and we can rely on it no.
0: and I am so thankful that like I've had so many experiences like that um, but each time you know I feel like if I can access that once I have a tool forever you know mm-hmm. that I can always yeah. access that I've done it once so I can do it again Yeah, that's right and that's and, that's, and that's the psychedelic, skill set. yeah the psychedelic the skill set. helps push my mm-hmm. awareness or consciousness to that point mm-hmm. and says hey you remember this old skill that, mm-hmm. that you had back in ancient days well here it is again mm-hmm. and you bring it back and be like okay Mm-hmm. Maybe I can access that through through meditation, maybe mm-hmm. I can access that through dreams no. um sort of opens the the possibilities or the potentialities,
1: yeah yeah, I think all of these are tools to the same reality space right like um you know access to dreams meditation and and uh and psychedelics and what, what like so like and then general exploration um you know like psychotherapy like self awareness pieces probably go into that category and then and then um intentional movement practices right which which is either martial arts or yoga or something like that right even rock climbing walking yeah well you know walking um, yeah you know it's like so but but it's got to like kind of push an edge Mm. right like it's got to like it can't just be like day-to-day stuff like if we're pushing edges into growth edges areas we gotta like find things that um, are challenging, mm-hmm. right? And but all of these things go hand in hand. So the more you practice aspects of all of these um, exercises, resources, tools, the more accessible they are in any certain moment. It becomes a holistic um, way of being, as opposed to like a, oh, I got to be this certain way in this particular situation. You know? See,
0: that's really how I think that um, I have been accessing the. Akashic Records is through these downloads, right? Mm-hmm. It's like in the movie Matrix when he sits in the chair and he's like... I know Kung you know, Fu.
1: It's <laughs> yeah, great, you man. Who wouldn't want right. that, right? So <laughs> every,
0: time I, every time I reach that space, I bring back a new tool and I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I got this now. Boom. Yeah. Now I can astral project better. Boom. Uh-huh. Now I can...
1: Yeah, know, so choose. you get the download and then you have to... We call, we, I would call that um, manifesting an intention or trying to live into that reality mm-hmm. in this reality you got to test out the download into mm-hmm. regular space time and that's called um, you know like for living into your intentions right and and then and then you're going to gain data information and in trying to implement it You're going to take that back into your psychedelic state practice or mindfulness practice And it's going to help you go deeper into your internal mm-hmm. state right and so the it's these ebbs and flows like your breath I you know awareness mm-hmm. of the universe the in and out and that that's what the medicine path is is Internal external it's all the same fucking thing. It's all we're all in the matrix together and you know, it's all fractal and there's and my inner experience directly corresponds to my external and vice mm. versa you know um, it's fascinating it's fascinating it's like so what can we do with that right like mm. that's like well it's like what do you want to do with that like where right. do you want to put your focus so that
0: exists now what
1: yeah but that exists mm. so and that's where like heart space is like what's my calling what's mm. who am I really what really matters to me um, you know what's mine to do in the world? These are the questions that we start to ask in that you know a lot of us who are on this path are are um really gifted in some way, you know, but it's like like um it's sometimes like not in the normal accepted realms of giftedness, like I have a really overactive imagination, you know, and I was shamed for that as a kid, you know, like I was just like in a fantasy world and people would tell you to turn
0: it off, turn take, it off and quit drawing.
1: Medication. Yeah. I quit drawing. I was lucky that I never got medicated. Okay. You know, um, it was just at that age in uh, where I live that it wasn't like the thing to do yet, you know, but like I would draw all day at school, you know, I was in my own world cause like I was bored and, um, and now, you know, my, and my overactive imagination is one of my greatest gifts. I can experience what my clients experience. I can imagine what that must be been like for them, I can have a great sense of empathy, and I have a capacity of like creative problem solving right, but it's really outside of the normal realm you know and so it's, it wasn't really recognized um, and uh, I'm trying to remember where I was going with this, but uh, um, well it sounds like you're we all have these capacities. You know, it's, oh, the calling idea. You know, right. it's like, what is mine to do? It's not to play football, or it's not to, you know, go to school in the same way as the peers around me. What is mine to do in the world? And, um, and that's part of the Hero's Quest journey that we're all on. Mm-hmm. And these skill sets, which, you know, what you're doing, what I'm doing, these are all developing capacities so that we can be who we are in the world, right? As big as we choose to be, or as, mm-hmm. uh, or in whatever container we want to work in, you know? I love,
0: um, uh, I love the idea of... Um, Self manifestation of uh, new performance capacities in the in the brain and mind. Um, yeah. I, I, I got a, I mean, you took the neuropath path. I looked at that path as well uh-huh. for the contemplative psychotherapy program. But I went the path of um, DU and uh, Argosy for uh, sport and performance psychology. Mm-hmm. So really getting into like mm-hmm. performance mi- mindsets, optimal mindsets, mm-hmm. flow states, things yeah. like that, yeah. and then that mixed with my martial arts flow states and experience mixed with uh, addiction work and psychedelics like everything just kind of merges together it just comes together and i don't have to work so hard to to make things happen i'm hoping that's
1: called living into your calling you know like that's what it's supposed to look all the many interests and ideas all coming together in one expression of self Mm -hmm. and it becomes flow state it becomes easy
0: right but it was really hard to get there otherwise more people
1: would oh, do it right. well i you know?
0: I had to go through terrible traumas and and self destructive behaviors and addictions mm. and terrible things like that to mm. learn what I had to learn to become who i am and mm. and who I am as a professional you know right. like I'm able to connect right. with my clients because i've been there you've and been done there
1: and yeah right you you have empathy yeah. right and that's yeah that's I don't know anybody honestly who isn't stepping into psychedelic work that doesn't have difficult experiences in their path that re- really required them to look at something hard mm-hmm. right and that and that uh, that's part of the initiation right. and like a like a of passage. yeah and so and so to normalize right. it right um, is important to acknowledge that we're not alone in this and and in our struggles right but also to not say it's inevitable right because I because I think for me trauma resolution you know what, like just because you went through what you went through and what I went through, what I went through right, like that doesn't mean the next generation can't learn the necessary lessons without having to have gone through whatever it was we went through, right like what a gener- like trauma resolution is a generational thing, and we're trying to just make it better. And less difficult for the mm-hmm. for those that we're supporting and helping, right? Like so, generation like I have clients and I work with people as students and all that, like trying to make their lives easier, right? And and the intention is that they can take the ideas further than even we could, maybe. Um, and so, like to me, maybe learning a lesson, a hard lesson, doesn't require having to go through something difficult. What if we can learn hard lessons, trying to manifest really amazing things in the world? Like, what if we can reorient to that, like? Trying to make things like choose, really powerful. Choose our difficult
0: paths. Like choose, choose yeah, choose the choose challenges we want to do. Yeah, on.
1: and let them be a positive. Like yeah. a positive. Like I'm going to climb that mountain. Yeah, you or know? I'm like, going to clean up the ocean. I'm going, yeah, right. Or what? What would be? I'm going to become a healer and you know and work in the inner city, right? Yeah. Like and uh, and um, that's going to be really hard. And I can be injured by these experiences, right? But psychedelics, mindfulness, yoga—these are all skill sets and tools we have to like create resilience mental emotional cycle you know like physical resilience and to uh, what's the word like shake it off shake the trauma off shake the day-to-day difficulties off you know and so like we're orienting to the positive
0: right and that's still hard um but literally shaking it off yeah yeah yeah, Uh, animals do that yeah animals do that right after big chases the mm -hmm. shake off the trauma Mm -hmm. we as humans we hold it in in this society we don't always have that opportunity like yeah. I definitely get that through the mat and through mm-hmm. going to the gym and running and mm-hmm. you know things like that mm-hmm. and um, I don't know how I would get that out if I didn't have that
1: right and humans are the only mammal that like holds it in right and that's what PTSD is right uh, so like the gazelle that mm-hmm. just ran away from the tiger it got away and it'll it'll hop around and shake it off you'll actually see it you know shake it off right human gets in a situation you know like it's your treat We're treated like uh we're weak if we're seen as shaking, particularly men right uh like I have a, a a newest guy this was early in my career as a psychotherapist um he was a um Vietnam war veteran and a helicopter pilot, and you know you have to like hold still, you have to be conscious like you can't shake in the helicopter right like or if you're afraid you got to like keep your shit together and he said he got out of his helicopter one time and his, his he almost um his knees almost gave out cuz they were so shaky you know but he had to hold it in right you can't look bad in front of like other people and that but that was a natural human response to like mm-hmm. a really scary situation and if he had just had the opportunity of all of all the helicopter pilots had the opportunity to go into a room get on a nice mat and just literally shake it out it's like that would be probably 90% of trauma resolution right there yeah. like right after whatever it is they did and it was just part of their process you know mm-hmm. Um, and psychedelics breath work my cannabis work like we see people like literally shaking it out all that held tension that they've had their whole lives are literally shaking it out in in the sessions mm-hmm. and they're different they're radically different afterwards
0: I like yeah. the idea that you have of, of uh, passing along Uh, messages and information to other generations to to improve each each Mm -hmm. line you know um, I have a strong interest in preventative mental health measures yeah me too um, especially Mm. for you know even teaching mindfulness or consciousness-based curriculums, um, middle school, high school, like mm-hmm. introducing kids to the idea of this is your mind. This is how you use it. This is how you emotionally regulate. This yeah, is these a, are some, the names of the
1: emotions you're is, experiencing. Yeah, this is some emotional basic intelligence. stuff, yeah. yeah.
0: But if you could teach kids that mm. part of it, I think we could avoid a lot of... Uh, mental health issues and mental health issue costs that the taxpayer pays Mm -hmm. later in life Mm -hmm. um, down the road that's i think that would be huge Mm -hmm. greater resiliency Mm -hmm. and they could push or allow their spiritual exploration to go even further than. yeah if they're not as
1: traumatized as we are where could they go with it what ideas can they come up with that are outside of our realm of imagining right like when you're traumatized or you know it's like it's hard to think outside of the the whole of the trauma that you're experiencing, you know, when we clear that trauma, it's like, oh, there's a whole world here. What if that's our starting place? It's like, well, what's it? What's the whole world even beyond that? And, you know, I agree with you, and uh, I, I, I would say with kids, like the number one thing is the breath, just some breath awareness. You know, like learning to breathe to regulate emotions. You know, these are really simple skill sets. And um, is that what and, you teach your own kids? Well, uh, my daughter wants to be a breath work sitter when she's six we're working towards that <laughs> how old is she know five and a half she's been talking about it for two years now and uh, I told her it's like when she was six she could consider coming to it and um and so I got to teach her how to do it she can probably do a breathwork practice for 30 seconds before she gets bored and wants to do something else but she'll lay there with the eye covering on and, and do the breathing for a little bit and I was like okay Iris if you want to be a sitter you got to know how to breathe you got to be able to do it yourself and so I'll, t- I'll, I'll let her do it for a little bit. You know, not pushing it, right? Like, I don't know what like um, what age she'll be where she'll be able to, like, do a full session or something like that. But I can't imagine it being negative, right? Like, turning towards the self, creating resilience, you know, uh, letting whatever tension she's holding, letting them release. Like, thank God, right? Like, like what if somebody, like, say she starts able to do it when she's 12, right? Like, right before puberty on, she has these important skills skill sets to regulate emotional experiences, you know,
0: like, yeah, please. <laughs> and super basic. Like it doesn't require high intelligence <clears throat> to acquire these skills. It doesn't require just the breath. um, mm-hmm. you know, someone to be socioeconomically mm-hmm. superior, mm-hmm. you know. Everybody has this tool mm-hmm. always available, but we're not always accessing it mm-hmm. to its fullest potential. You know, we're just yeah. automatically breathing. Automatically breathing.
1: I think people don't realize how powerful the breath can be. Are they or or you know they are even though it's available to them in the ways that we work with it you know so um I think I think there, I think breathwork I, I think breathwork is a key but I don't think it's the key I just don't like it's it's not as like flashy enough or something like people aren't drawn to it it's not no, it's like psychedelics. There's, like, it's like, psychedelics, and it's, like, this brilliant white light. breathwork is, like, oh, I have to work for it. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's, like, going to younger martial arts, right? Yeah, it's, like, I don't know if it's ever going to take off on a large scale. But, like, I would love to work with, like, um, churches. I think breathwork in churches and, like, church communities, like, particularly, you know, minority communities. I could see breathwork being a really powerful tool. Um, trauma resilience, oppression resilience, clearing... Uh, um, an intergenerational trauma of oppression out of the body and then in churches our breath is synonymous with spirit um, and there's like a, a tradition in some of these churches where the Holy Ghost is really important the Holy Spirit like embodying the Holy Spirit and if we can somehow use language to equate breathing in and using these medicine, mm-hmm. breath, medicine practices with receiving the Holy Spirit, almost like trance states and things. It, that you see in states.
0: Thailand's and, and yeah. uh, po- uh, possession, spirit possessions, mm-hmm. um, po- in positive ways. Yeah. You know, uh, in Thailand, they mm-hmm. have that whole festival, the tattoo festival, where people literally feel as if they're possessed by like the spirit of a tiger, and so they'll act out, you know, the spirit mm-hmm. of a tiger, and go up to these monks, and the monks will tattoo them with these bamboo mm-hmm. things. It's quite. Um, Quite interesting but it's a huge part of the culture mm-hmm. and totally accepted you yeah. know something like that in our culture would be like we need to lock those people away or put them on medication. like an animal
1: it's like yeah totally. let's, let's put them in a box
0: yeah that's terrible
1: yeah yeah that's what we do we put things we don't realize in boxes and it damages it damages us as a society right like and it acts out like man what would you do if you were in a box all the time like I would go insane you know and and, uh, and and people
0: put themselves in their own boxes too and create yeah, their own suffering yeah. in that way but uh this you know this leads me to um yeah. you know something you have a lot of experience in uh you know festivals things like that like seeing people um break through some of those boundaries uh unintentionally you know uh-huh. and and having to do crisis management things yeah. like that um i'm sure you know psychedelics are not for everybody obviously Mm -hmm. but the breath work seems like it could be something that uh, could be accessible as well
1: I think except I think breath work and uh, cannabis I think could be a bridge towards Mm -hmm. other psychedelics for all of society you know like you know MDMA is being proposed as kind of a bridge to healing and like stepping back into psychedelic work as society so there's a lot of threads that we can explore you know like religious use of -hmm. of psychedelics Um, know
0: yeah and that was something interesting like before the podcast I was thinking about um, you know in the context of how I know Daniel and you know I've seen a lot of your interviews and you said uh, a lot of times I smoke pot for a living and so a lot of that you know that's sort of the catchphrase I to that I have tattooed, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of things. No, uh, self-depreciating humor, <laughs> but, but it's true. <laughs> yeah. And you know, raising kids in raising your kids in a pro-drug um, environment and a pro-consciousness environment mm-hmm. and things like this, um, but also seeing the other side of it, where, where people take these substances because they're lost or they don't have any mm-hmm. guidance, and also seeing. Um, mm. Really challenging experiences, um, people shattered. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. Um, no, I work with both yeah, threads and, for sure. Uh, but you were talking about like interrupting the process or suppressing things and how it can come out sideways, mm. too. And it reminded me of um, in some of my own training in, in psychedelic crisis management, like the worst thing you can do is is what we see at festivals often, you know, um, suppress, right. You'll, you'll put a tran- mm. uh, tranquilizing mm. agent in them and totally squash mm. the experience. Yeah. Leaving it repressed. It freezes it. Exactly. It
1: freezes it and causes severe trauma. And I, I saw the, we saw these things happen and my crew wouldn't, wasn't able to not speak out, uh, to these things. And, uh, uh, and we got, we started to get harassed by the medical department and the, um, uh, security. So the medical teams, generally speaking, and I know there's some really great um, exceptions to this rule, but just legally speaking, you know, if a festival uh, gets tagged for like being pro-drug or doing some harm reduction measures that make it easier on people who use drugs, they could be violating the uh, federal rave act. And so uh when drugs get out of hand at festivals the number one priority of the medical tent is to suppress it and make it go away as quickly as possible to not make a scene. It's a legal liability thing. And and it's because you know like the security you know secure, like a public image. It's a public image thing. Yeah, we can't have this, you know. So so it's not the it's not uh taking care of the client by tying them down and sedating them. That's not what mm-hmm. you know, they're not doing that for the benefit of the client, and we saw that quite a bit. Um, we saw, we saw uh, women who have had a history of severe sexual trauma be tied down by multiple men in the medical tent. You know, with her screaming. You know, you know, like, you know, uh, like, um, yelling no and mm-hmm. like not accepting. You know, not consenting to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we tried to intervene, we would be. Uh, we would be harassed and and told we were out of out of line mm. and or if we wanted to just show up and help people um, that wasn't their intention and and again I know there are major exceptions to this yeah. rule you know like and there's important programs but uh, it was eye-opening we had to we had to quit doing that work mm-hmm. uh, because we weren't in alignment with what we were seeing. and I, I'm not going to speak to wares and all of that
0: but. yeah I've never participated at a festival um, I've been a security at a festival um, so I've 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 been a part of interventions, um, but I've also you know been trained in therapeutic crisis intervention prior. to it's called de-escalation. Secu- right? yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's so, a simple skill set. Yeah, right? I was actually you know teaching the other security guards how to actually yeah. manage things. But um, yeah, so my experience yeah my experience with with this kind of culture uh, is raves like back in the day mm-hmm. like high school like uh, you were probably in Boulder when I was in high school. Going down to raves at the root. You remember the root on the hill?
1: No, I've only lived in that area 10 okay. years or so. I was so, never really part of the rave scene yeah. or
0: any of that stuff. You know, so, well, you've been a part of festivals though. Right? Yeah,
1: for a little bit. It wasn't my introduction into psychedelics mm-hmm. in this work. My, my introduction was more in spiritual communities, underground, you know, we call like underground psychedelic communities mm-hmm. and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I've never really been part of like the drug culture rave culture i mean it's not that i haven't taken mdma or anything like that but it was always like in an intentional setting it was always like that Mm -hmm. never recreational as a
0: as a youth
1: no i i started i started to explore recreational use and festival use Mm -hmm. like less than 10 years ago just because i realized i'd never really gotten to experience it and i wanted to see what it was like and you know like well so one of the things i learned early on this was like very first experiences of taking psychedelic mushrooms or something like that I, I took them out but at a party or whatever and I I uh, I was dropping into places that were very different than other people taking the same psychedelics in the same doses they were having a good time they were like conscious they were dancing or whatever and I'd be sitting on the couch you know going into like deep internal realms and I didn't feel safe mm-hmm. um, and so I learned real quick that I probably Parties and things weren't probably the safest place for me to do these things. And maybe, and it's just, you know, part of my psyche and how I grew up or whatever, that I was just more susceptible into, like, immediately dropping into deeper spaces. I mean, this is why I do this work, you know, it's like mm-hmm. natural interest. So um, for
0: you, it was, yeah, it was, that's that's amazing how you had this natural inclination to go inwards. Uh, yeah, why, my, well, yeah. my exposure, I mm-hmm. mean, LSD was my f- the first thing I ever tried before nicotine before alcohol oh, yeah. or anything yeah. and it was purely an external experience I was at military school we went on a field trip to a an amusement park for the day my friends had some we took some we played laser tag all day mm-hmm. it was fantastic mm-hmm. roller coasters mm-hmm. and so that was like the first four or five years of my mm-hmm. use was for the novelty for mm-hmm. um, enhancing daily yeah. experience um, and probably that was the my first um, introduction to the possibility that we can alter uh, our own mental uh, capacity for performance enhancement, mm-hmm. and probably yeah, right. spurred my interest in sports yeah, psychology. Right. But yeah, probably uh, so it, was, right? it was recreational up to mm-hmm. a point. Uh, no spirituality in my life, and then in a bout of sobriety, I found my spirituality, and then went back to psychedelics with this new spiritual mm-hmm. knowledge. And that's when my spiritual journey started with it, uh-huh. it was really uh, the integration again yeah. of, of multiple facets of myself at different timings.
1: yeah, yeah. well, I, you know it kind of points to our different personality types, you know like you're you know, like you're a professional martial artist, right, like you're a peak performer athlete right like and that's what amp- was amplified and try your to be a peak young human. experience <laughs> right, right? Yeah. and for me my my natural inclinations are like depth imagination you know all these invisible things that creativity. Have like creativity uh, empathy awareness of patterns and things you know and so like when i initially took psychedelics the first time i took it i was 19 and uh, i mean i dropped like i couldn't i dropped into these like unity consciousness spaces and uh, um and it was great but it was also unnerving you know to mm-hmm experience something like that at 19 right, right?
0: and so if, mm. if in in middle school or high school you would have had education about consciousness mind multiple dimensionality mm-hmm. potentials and then had an experience like that when you're 19 it would have probably have been less oh, shocking yeah. right yeah and I and, you know
1: and young people exploring psychedelics it seems to it seems to um be a natural inclination, you know, like we're we're naturally inclined to be adventurous and exploring, you know. So, like, yeah, what if we what if we teach our parent our children skill sets to navigate these spaces? I mean, deep psychedelic states. There's there's very little difference between that and like profound real world experiences, you know, like like creating a program, going to the military, right? I mean, these are like really big uh, experiences. And sometimes life and death, right? Um, uh, psychedelics could prepare us for that we could it's like training in a sense it's like it's like some extreme virtual reality training like a, a hologram deck a, a in the reality and, yeah right <laughs> like you know you're gaining these skill sets to explore you know and, and I, I just want to go back to something like it's like just because I'm like pro I'm like pro psychedelic in certain contexts, but I, I don't really identify as pro drug um, mm-hmm. because I've seen the damage of, of a lot of particular drugs, you know, and, and some drugs I don't think anybody should take ever, you know, like uh, methamphetamines, you know, in an abusive way or, you know, things like that. And uh, um, and so like having children in that context, I think it's important to like educate as opposed to like put on black and white pro or not, you know, and uh, I just kind of wanted to name that piece, you know, in some ways I'm really conservative. Um, I'm just accepting that psychedelics should be in normal part of human life right so that's the weird part
0: Mm -hmm. um i think that's a good place to uh to pause here for a second so we can take a moment to um Mm -hmm. well i just want to acknowledge also to our Mm -hmm. listeners that uh i have not had um the best results with the advertising piece of this podcast and so i've decided that from this podcast forward i'm going to drop my sponsors um And just rely on the donations of you guys if you guys find this information valuable at all. So, um, you know, if you do, please donate and it'll go right back into the podcast for you guys. Uh, You know, we're buying mics and stuff soon. So I just wanted to say that real quick. Um, I'm going to put a little bit of a a self-promotion ad for this podcast in between these segments. Um, But we'll be right back with Daniel for the second segment. Just taking a quick commercial break, folks, to uh, remind you to check out our YouTube page. That's the Mind Ops YouTube page, as well as our website, www.mind-ops.com, for all your... General psychotherapy needs, uh, sport and performance psychology needs, uh, psychedelic integration needs, and addiction counseling needs. So go check those out and uh, also check out our Facebook, check out our YouTube. Uh, There's a lot of useful resources on there. And uh, yeah, enjoy. Back to the show. All right, we're back with Daniel and Daniel. so we left off talking about and I think I, I misspoke obviously when I said, you know, you're raising two daughters in a pro drug uh mm-hmm. family and uh I for sure, you know, I used it as a generality. I actually, I have a t-shirt that I uh I wear quite often that says say perhaps to drugs. Mm-hmm. Um instead of, you know, perhaps. say no like or that. say yes, yeah. um because uh-huh. there are some drugs um that are really harmful and some that are really not and Mm. i think those distinctions need to be made i I do believe that they are all drugs but um but the distinctions are important and uh today i'm wearing um a hunter s thompson shirt that i just got thompson for sheriff when he ran for sheriff in 1970 of aspen oh that's cool and this is his logo and if you (laughs) look in the middle it's he's uh the fist is holding a peyote button. Oh, is that what that is? Yeah. And uh, oh, these that's were his cool. like on his uh-huh. official posters. Uh-huh. And in, so this uh-huh. is one of these sacred medicines that are not uh-huh. you know, it's a drug technically, right. but it's it's not right. It's under different like uh or it should be classified differently. Yeah, right. You know, so yeah. when I when I spoke earlier and I said you're you're raising girls in, in a pro drug environment, what I meant was, you know, I know that you educate your daughters differently than probably most parents do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's even a podcast out there, psychedelic parenting, you mm-hmm. know, about how to raise kids with the right information ab- mm-hmm. around drugs. How do you for the parents out there listening who who might have that issue? Like, how do I talk to my kid about cannabis mm-hmm. use? How do I talk to my kid about mm-hmm. psychedelic use? Um, I can't be a hypocrite mm-hmm. to my kids. Like, what would you say? How do you do it?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think this is going to be, like, an ongoing question, right? Like, as they get older, like, they're still really young. And, and like, uh, when they start school, how how do they talk about my job at school, right? What does daddy do? You know, can't just say (laughs) smoke pot for a living, right? Like, maybe there's a more skillful um, answer to that question that I need to, like, educate them around. And, uh, you know, and then there's questions around, like... uh, uh, cultural identity, you know. So, like, uh, there's one simple way to say, "Well, I work in the cannabis industry," and that's a, that's okay to say in this area, right? Like, there are a lot of people who work in the cannabis industry here, and um, and so that'll probably be like the shorthand answer. And uh, um, but there's also like a spiritual religious identity associated with these things too. So, uh, maybe it would be safer to say, "Well, we're members of the Native American Church," because it's a federally recognized religious tradition. Um, you know, as opposed to just psychedelic drug users right um, so yeah, it's certainly not a
0: recreational practice as you and I both know yeah peyote isn't done with recreational <laughs> practice you know um, neither is that sweat lodge afterwards for no well, it seems like I have hours. yet to recover
1: from that sweat lodge to be honest you know it was one of the most intense experiences of my life Me you too. know and so like treating it with respect you know um, in the right context um, you know, when, when my daughters get older, I mean, like, do not trust anyone more than you trust yourself. Like, and please speak to me about anything before you, you know, like, do it in another context, you know. Um, I hope that they're, you know, there's these realities of kids use drugs. And, uh, and so my hope is that they stay safe and um, I can be a good ally and guide and that, like, I'm totally fine with them, like, holding off on that idea for as long as possible or never using medicines like our psychedelic medicines right um and with that being said cannabis is like um, almost like a vitamin you know with these medicines or you know with our bodies right it's like we have an endocannabinoid system and there are really great reasons to use cannabis like uh, intentionally and can benefit life you know so like I wouldn't be opposed to them using that medicine, and as they when they were adults, you know, like I would, I would teach them, I would show them
0: how to do it. Um, if, if any of the listeners can hear that in the background, that's my big dog, who, by the way, um, <laughs> we just found out has cancer oh, yesterday. No. But um, he's he's peppy <laughs> as ever, and he's like doing circles on my couch, trying to find a spot. I think he just did like 15. I think he so just did you yeah. It's like
1: a He's like a bear.
0: Yeah, like that's a, we call he's him not little really bear. A dog. Call <laughs>
1: he's more of a bear. <laughs>
0: um, yeah. Well, I'm sorry to hear about your puppy. Um, yeah, it's all right. We're gonna have the lump removed um, and see what happens. Uh, but uh,
1: CBD, you know, like I would strongly recommend CBD. Totally. THC not good for dogs. Maybe maybe CBD super treats, low yeah. dose, but like CBD could probably really help things yeah. like that. Yeah.
0: So with this idea of. Um, you know raising kids around it um i don't know if you were i think you were in this particular ceremony where um you know it was in a peyote ceremony where we were witness to uh there was a couple there with a baby and the Mm -hmm. baby was drinking um peyote tea Mm -hmm. Uh, and it was fascinating to me because it Mm -hmm. seemed like the the baby started singing along with the roadman and the Mm -hmm. drumming or almost wailing along with it Mm -hmm. um I don't know if it was my perception or whatever, but what... And then I went to... We had that baby. That baby
1: was in the sweat lodge, too. Really? The crazy hot sweat lodge that we were in. Um, Um,
0: What are your thoughts on that? Um, mm -hmm. I've been to the Detroit Psychedelic Conference, and a lot of practitioners out there from uh, traditional African-American communities practicing with psychedelics involve it in birthing processes. Uh, The mother will ingest psychedelics, mm -hmm. or they'll put um, small amounts of mushroom in the baby's mouth right upon birth to kind of activate the no the neurogenesis mm. uh immediately of of the brain mm-hmm. signals
1: um, you're probably talking like micro doses oh there, totally right? like teeny you tiny so yeah, introduce like the psilocybin technology. what if psilocybin yeah. is neuro what did you call it neurogenitive neurogenitive right yeah like so yeah what if they're making like hyper intelligent children because yes. of these things um super- you know, so connectivity. Pay, yeah super connect yeah right um I have, like, a complex relationship. You know, it's like I'm semi-public figure in, in this work because uh, of what I do and how I speak. But, they're, you know, so, like, I'm a little maybe more cautious than maybe um, somebody not in my space could be, right? So I wouldn't be giving my kids little bits of psilocybin, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I have given... My older daughter's CBD, which is legal. I talked to like she was going through occupational therapy. She I think she had some birth trauma or something, and they could barely touch her. So it's like there was no, no healing taking place, right? Like very little. Everybody was frustrated, and so I actually brought the idea. It's like because I didn't want to get in trouble, right? But like, what do you think of CBD? You know, talk to these these physical therapist people, and they're like, well, we don't really know a lot about it, but I'm not I'm not opposed to it. So I started giving. Uh, her CBD before these um, occupational therapy things and she was, her body was able to relax, she was able to receive touch and then was able to actually receive the healing that the occupational therapist and physical therapist was wanting to do you know, and and so that was like game changer for me and so I have a deep respect for these medicines because like, you know, CBD and epilepsy, childhood Mm -hmm. epilepsy, like, these are devastating illnesses that turn children who are Invalids into happy little children again, you know, so I have really strong Opinions about this and um, and as far as like You know peyote or even ayahuasca like these are traditional indigenous communities that have some of which have been doing these for hundreds or thousands of years in certain cases Um, My daughter attended a peyote ceremony with me um, But you know I didn't offer her the tea. I didn't offer her the peyote, but And she slept behind me in the teepee. And it was a very special experience for us. And she she said she stayed up all night. And she says she remembers every song, you know, when she was clearly asleep. But, like, it was... Embedded. <laughs> sure, well, when in you're her, in that TV, yeah, like you like, said,
0: we're in that spaceship together. Yeah, we're in
1: the spaceship. We're in the yeah, container, yeah. and
0: all of us have that experience. Yeah.
1: So, so I can speak directly that it was an incredibly meaningful experience mm-hmm. for me, and it was also meaningful for her. She made up peyote songs for months afterwards wow. and would sing them. You know, so like, yes, please, yeah. you know, like more of that. Like, uh, Like, yeah, I get the cultural worries around these things but the cl- reality is closer that it's like mm-hmm. incredibly healthy for people to be in these spaces together and um, and nobody's out of control you know like there's you know no there's not like a it's not a rave right you know, I'm not taking a kid to a rave or anything like that it's really hard to describe what they're like um, if you've never been in them, but it's even a just,
0: festival would be inappropriate for a kid
1: you know yeah. in some case well you know some festivals are getting better at really? having like kids kid spate places okay. and stuff like that but yeah like um uh, we made the mistake with iris when she was two of being out at a festival just a little too late and <laughs> that was a very difficult experience yeah. you know so yeah you know like there's it's it's not the same it's super it's like it's like festivals are all about uncontainment you know in some way and revelry right and these are like all about containment you know it's the exact opposite it's like a extremely conservative religious traditions. I go into a mosque in some ways. It's just very different, you know.
0: So this is a question I've had for you for a long time, and I I don't know why I haven't, uh, I I guess, thought of it to to bring it up. But um, you have a much deeper connection with cannabis than I do, and I would love to have that kind of connection. Right now, you know, we were talking earlier about the different types of use for cannabis, and I've used it recreationally for sure, Mm -hmm. still do. Sure. It's great to relax and tune out every once in a while. Go to a movie, right?
1: Like, it's a really wonderful medicine for that.
0: I use it medicinally for sure, for Mm -hmm. anxiety and um, body pain, Body pain, jiu-jitsu pain. Yeah, right, Um, yeah. uh, Which, by the way, um, pulled up on my computer right now is... uh, this thing called high rollers that I wanted to show you. It's the infusion of cannabis culture and jiu It's a professional jiu-jitsu uh, event. So now that I'm a professional in the sport, I just applied for it today. No, that's great. And so, Are um, you high when you're yeah, doing so the martial arts? Yeah, the competitors arts? go out in the middle and smoke a joint together.
1: Which, <laughs> oh, that's a yeah, wonderful and thing. And then they fight yeah. each
0: other. And then the winner takes home like a pound of weed and a big trophy and mm-hmm. like, uh, And everyone in the crowd is smoking. Smoking, yeah, that's uh, awesome. Because a lot of people in the jujitsu community use it for medicinal reasons. Like, we're in pain all the time. We wake up and we can hardly move. Mm -hmm. Gotta take CBD, gotta use THC, gotta do what Mm -hmm. we can. Um, So using it medicinally, but then also using cannabis spiritually. I've always been Mm -hmm. fascinated by, like, Rasta culture and and Mm -hmm. how they infuse cannabis with their spirituality. But I've never had any guidance on how to do that so if someone like mm. me wanted to make their cannabis use more spiritual mm. how would i go about like ritualizing it or mm. going how would i how would i seek a spiritual experience mm. through cannabis
1: yeah. use it's a skill set it's not something that's like easy to do right mm-hmm. away I, i'm actually writing a book about this like how to how to um, create the experience Um, And how to use cannabis spiritually and not just like as a mindfulness tool where it's like you get a little higher Or a little more relaxed, but actually as a real psychedelic, you know, like so like full-on visuals And so that's like that's like it's what I'm learning is that's kind of a specialized capacity to do, you know So I have a lot of clients that come to me and that's one of the things they say is like I'm a I'm a psychedelic medicine user I smoke pot and I want to bring more intention and spirituality to my my cannabis use because I see the potential there but I don't know how to do it and so they either come to my circles and I actually like straight up show them how to do it and then they can take that skill set back home you know and or they come to my private sessions and I can give them more mindfulness based, um education around using it but then I, I induce the experience right there with them so that they can have like this like almost like a muscle memory of like oh this is possible I can take this home with me and so <clears throat> To make you know, a way I I like to blend the cannabis into uh, special recipes, and so so it's not just one strain.
0: Are these um, targeted recipes? Can they be individualized to someone's particular needs? Like I want to come in today and work on um, spiritual connection. So uh, here, yeah, here's this combination. Or I want to work on yeah. trauma. Here's this yeah. combination.
1: It, to a
0: generalized
1: sense okay. um That's i would
0: something. say like so i would say we're probably at
1: the 1% what we're doing so i've developed this whole program around this and i still think i'm at like the 1 to 2% mark of the potential of this medicine mm-hmm. and so like to do that you would need like a like a library of strains right like an herbalist would sure. or an apothecary yeah an apothecary of different strains and know them and the science of the cannabinoids Can- and, like, um, carry the, ter- the terpenes, the uh, you know, and how they interact. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's a real potential, future potential. Well right now, what we have is we have specifically a psychedelic strain, and we have a yoga breathwork strain, which is more body oriented. Mm-hmm. But like for instance, I in my writing, um, I found a really wonderful, I, I'm sorry, a, a psychedelic blend, not just mm-hmm. a strain, but in a, in a yoga breathwork blend. So there's some. So we're starting to.
0: S H A N E S L A P C K. Sorry, disconnect. Goodness, <laughs> technology's taking over us, yeah. Oh my goodness, <laughs> we got, ass, you know.
1: <laughs> they're spying on us. You know. Well, we are recording this <biomass buzzing sound effect> conversation, so. Um, so I, it's all right. We're not afraid. We're, yeah, right. Like, I, yeah, no, it's a process.
0: Oh, there's my wife. She's home. So, um, Danny, you met my wife, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, a long time ago. Awesome. Before... So she'll come in, and she. She oh hold on let me let her in real quick. And then we'll continue. So the dog, the dogs are a big part of the podcast today. And uh, hey, babe. Hey. So we got our co-hosts that are helping us welcome the new guests. And uh, so we we're we we're talking about. Um, spiritual uses of cannabis and and how yeah. someone can can make mm-hmm. their use we can
1: you know yeah so like it's it's to me it's not about like often specific uses it's like the, the most holistic blend we can make and uh, seems to be the most effective And in, uh and in like the, in the trauma resolution is a natural byproduct of that like and that's something that we're I'm really starting to learn, you know, um, but there are maybe certain strains you can make blends for like trauma um, symptom management, right? Um, so
0: like, uh, but coupled it's like with spirit- arousal regulation techniques and things. Yeah, yeah, uh,
1: and body like so, pain trauma emotional trauma can cause physical pain in the body, right? So um, or anxiety or depression, right? Like there, there you could you could like. I tell people now, if you have a need, there's a cannabis strain for that. Like, um, and we're again, it's been legal five years in Colorado. Like, I'd say we're like five percent potential of what this plant can do. You know, particularly when it becomes legal federally, we're able to like.
0: Yeah, did you hear about the new 420 bill that was proposed the other day? Um, They're trying to this, make it federal again. Uh, um, we'll see.
1: Yeah, there's several proposals, and and like there's different ways of regulating and different ways of legalizing. So. I'm hopeful, you know, but I'm really paying attention. I think it could be legalized the wrong way, too. Um, But waking up, these psychedelic spiritual experiences, is trauma healing, right? Like, there's something about it that's innately trauma healing, you know? Um, So I I teach people how to do it, and... um, uh, we smoke with intention and in prayer or in a mindfulness practice. Kind of depends on the person. It's a pretty heavy dose, you know, like seven tokes in five minutes of a really potent blend of medicine. And then they're invited to lay down, and I guide them through a body scan meditation. Uh, and then I play music for them. And it can either be relational, like a therapeutic setting, or um, it can be uh, like they're in their own reality and traveling, and I'm holding space for them. And I gently bring them back, and it's a it's a real simple process, but it's completely different every time. And um, so
0: after the body scan, um, do you just let let them go, let them lose, let their mind wander wherever it's going to go? Um, I, th- I think that's what we did in the breath work, where we we started with the body scan and got in got into the breath. Once the breath started breathing us, it takes it. And we just kind of we just kind of let go. You
1: know, so surrender, you know. Right. But but you can you can orient to where you're surrendering into, um, and usually so so. There's this nature human nature capacity and this was Stan Grof's work um, the holotropic nature of the universe and of the mind that if we just get out of the way it's going to naturally move towards wholeness healing and awakening and so some people require a little bit of support to with cannabis it's more you have more agency and more choice so sometimes it's easier to avoid difficult processes or to turn into that but once that gets that process that holotropic Principle starts engaging, right? Like you generally just have to like hold space and, and let them like shake it out. Memory. Yeah, let them shake it out, right? It's like that's what, and it can movement towards wholeness can look all kinds of really weird ways, um, particularly in psychedelic states. But that's what's happening, and so, so, so it's more of like instead of steering or um, requiring a certain way, it's more of like facilitating just what's naturally occurring. So, do
0: you see like a wide range of Uh, releases from anything from like people just being still the whole time to like full cathartic release and Mm -hmm. and uh, you know uh, manipulations of the body and Mm -hmm. things like that you see that
1: yeah yeah sometimes people will you know they're just quiet the whole time and not much seems to be going on and then they'll come out of it and say that was like the most profound experience I've ever had sure Um, and then other times people are like convulsing they're shaking so hard and 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 oftentimes when somebody's like shaking and trembling, they're having memories of whatever it is that they're releasing, and they're having an emotional experience. It's just like an over like a holistic letting go and in, in the body. There's something about cannabis that's real body oriented. It's like that's why I use it for pain, right, and relaxation. It it affects the tendons, it affects the muscles and tissue in our body. I would say more so than any other psychedelic. Really, is
0: what I've what I'm seeing. Like uh, benefits in. So yeah, like, because we know in psychology, definitely the body holds on to trauma and it remembers mm-hmm. it. In, it remembers. At a the body level. remembers, right? So it would make sense that in trauma work of any kind, including cannabis, that it would have uh, an effect on, you know, the cells in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're saying, like, specifically with cannabis use in these in these therapeutic and spiritual settings, you're seeing um, performance it, yeah. increases or.
1: I mean like, like uh yeah, at of- times. I've actually seen spontaneous healings. Um uh one person I worked with had like severe rheumatoid arthritis. You know, so a lot of uh a lot of traumas, chronic traumas associated with chronic autoimmune disorders, mm-hmm. you know, it's well, something a lot I've of it's noticed inflammation. Inflammation like. of the joints and, and stress can cause that too. Uh, to yeah. So sense. so uh, autoimmune and inflammation and trauma Often go hand in hand, and so like I worked with a gentleman who had trauma, like um and um, his arm was stuck and like he couldn't open his arm up, because uh, it just rheumatoid arthritis. And then one of the journeys, I was like this was in a series, his arms just started shaking, and raising up over his head, and and it was like violently convulsing and i had i held it but i didn't stop it Mm -hmm. and because i knew this is what a trauma i supported it and and encouraged him to stay with it and he was like it really hurts and that was that literally that rheumatoid arthritis breaking out of that's that extreme fascia Mm -hmm. stuckness in those joints was literally breaking open and freeing and and after that and he had several sessions and then it would show up in the in the group sessions that he he participated in his arm would shake for a long time and then eventually it would it quit shaking and he had full mobility of it wow. um and these are the things that you know like I'm witnessing with cannabis and and I think that could happen with other medicines like MDMA and things but MDMA is more of a nervous system trauma resolver like it's getting yeah. into the brain and opening up these pathways to memories and and reconsolidating and it feels really good so you feel yeah. safe you know, that, that, that happens to some degree in the body, but with cannabis, it's even more amplified, I think.
0: I think it's interesting you point out the differences in, um, which medicines are good for which body systems to do the trauma <clears throat> work at these levels. Yeah. I find that like, um, LSD psychotherapy also, um, helps with, um, sort of defragmented parts of self as well. Yeah. Um, whereas, yeah. you know, peyote helped more for me, like on a definitely you know it's a somatic psychedelic so it helped move energy mm. blockages mm. Uh, from my energetic body in your
1: energy yeah um, so what if peyote isn't is a light body trauma right. res resolver or a soul body like you know when I had peyote experiences the first one was like clearing a soul level trauma something I came into my life with or an ancestral, an ancestral trauma. for sure it's like where the hell do we hold an ancestral trauma you know right. it's like in the body but The body is like really complicated and vast, you know and um consciousness is in the body too um
0: do you believe consciousness resides in the body or do you believe because i've heard also that consciousness all resides somewhere else like Mm. or uh and also that we don't know first of all first of all we're Mm. just speculating but
1: that's a good question you know like i i come into i like to think of like a soul body like we Mm. like there's a we have a structure of our soul Like if we are, if we come into our physical form in some way from something else, like there is some sort of structure that we're, that's brought with that and and that, um, and that it's some sort of whole thing that that it somehow mirrors our physical body and we call that the light, light body or, uh what we travel with in the astral realm. Like, what is that really? And so like, cause there's some form to that. Yeah. Is, yeah. There's some form of that. And it's like, it either shows up as a geometric shape, you know? And so like, there's, there's, there's a uh, sacred geometry that talks about these, these dimensions, or it's like, a mirror image or like a light body version of our physical form and it's somehow both at the same time Mm -hmm. i don't know if that makes sense you know but i I mean like i've seen these experience you know i've had these experiences and and i've read about them you know and like it it makes a lot of sense to me you know so consciousness is like like so being human and and the, the path of the alchemist is like no longer just identifying with the physical form but supporting and developing and creating resilience in our light body form so that once we die we be, we stay fully aware and embodied in our light body. We don't just get recycled back through the ether and we have to start over again or anything you know it's like so what is it and these are what like these are weird terms like ascended master you know things that that we that are in kind of like the new age culture you know like uh, it's somebody who has transcended the need to reincarnate because they're fully embodied in their light Your body form. say
0: this is n- like Nirvana, nirvana. Or enlightenment mm-hmm. and that these Breaking are free of samsara and the yeah, cycle yeah
1: and that if you take a Bodhisattva vow or whatever you sure. can even you you become an ally to people in this realm mm-hmm. right uh, to support them and they're waking up and so and, and it's like and then with psychedelics it, that like those lines get really blurred and uh, um, you know and very real you know like i think i like to think of like spirit allies that i've encountered as just family members that are choosing to be with me in this space as opposed to physical world space you know it's like we're all we're all family flying through this cosmos together you know
0: yeah i think um you know it's an interesting question to to ponder you know is consciousness in the body or is the body within the space of consciousness Mm -hmm. um or You know is it non-dual is it Mm -hmm. both at the same time I
1: like to think of it as both totally like we're the receiver of some consciousness but that consciousness can't be received without the physical body Mm -hmm. you know and um, I like to think of it as both and you know and that like as we when we die there will be a part of us that really dies our body Mm -hmm. gets recycled you know and and so there is a real death there you know but if we can orient our consciousness away from the body in those moments to a light body then maybe we can move forward with more awareness or something I think know? that's
0: what the Tibetan book of uh, the dead aims to do mm-hmm. you know as as the Buddhists would would recite it to a loved one who's dying it's sort of like giving them instruction as they're transitioning to you know make sure you stay awake like stay mm-hmm. awake to to the the reality of what mm-hmm. you're gonna go through and wake up out of the cycle because mm-hmm. um, the bardo experience of the afterlife experiences is, is particularly ripe for uh awakening if you're if you're aware of it so yeah, if again you can having be conscious tools, of yeah. it,
1: instead of just kind of float through yeah. it having and,
0: the mindfulness yeah. as you pass on yeah.
1: um, be able to tolerate death as an emotional experience
0: totally <laughs> that's pretty extreme right yeah. like but we all have to do it it's the one thing uh, in life that we're uh never going to fail at
1: <laughs> we're all going to die yeah right. Yeah, one way or another. Yeah, you know. We will all become experts in it. Yeah. You know? yeah. So, you know, that's an interesting question. It's like, Have we done this before? I I think so. I like to think, uh, you know, I've had experiences that make me really question that possibility. Um, I don't think this is our one and only lifetime, you know, but but I like to live as if it's important, like if it's my one and only lifetime, right? Like, because this one really matters. Like, this world, this life, my family, all of those really matter, And you know? And, I wanna live into that, right, in mm-hmm. a good
0: way, you know. I've been hearing this phrase repeated over and over in the last couple of weeks. I must have heard it like 20 times from clients, from uh, you know shows or whatever, and I'm gonna butcher it now, but it's something like, um, you know, I, I don't even know if I'm gonna try and attempt this at this moment. I, I think I'm gonna wait and see if I can get it perfect, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I wouldn't be doing it justice. Mm. sorry to divert <laughs> yeah, failed, plan. Yeah, failed plan failed plan so <laughs> yeah and then consciousness goes blank yeah right, right?
1: what are you doing that you right. know it's like yeah we mess up like I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna be giving a speech you know like uh, later tonight talking yeah. about you know my experiences and stuff you know it's like I've had to accept that like I'm fallible you know like I goof up words you know it's like and then have a capacity to tolerate those experiences medicine work helps us with that and so we don't get so flustered that we shut down and we can keep going, right, these are resilience development skills and tools, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and then when you have more resilience, you can do more things in the world, more projects, or like again, live
0: more into your calling, whatever that means. So So what about finding your calling? So many people, I think, have a tough time feeling lost in life because they can't
1: find mm -hmm. their
0: calling, or they feel stuck in something that's for sure not Mm -hmm. their calling and Mm -hmm. can't get out of that.
1: I, I do a lot of work with people who are exploring those questions and psychedelics. And, you know, for me, for the longest time, most of my life, that was a theoretical idea, like finding your calling. Like, I, and I, like I'd read books. I'd read Joseph Campbell or mm-hmm. Carl Jung, you know, and I would really be inspired by these ideas of finding my calling. But, like, it was still very elusive. And I would say psychedelics and cannabis has been the the most important tool sets I've had to, like, not only find my calling now, but I feel like I'm living into my calling, you know, it's just, it was just very, very different than what I expected it to be. Like, um, we joke, I smoke pot for a living, you know, like, but the reality is like, I'm a psychedelic therapist and I sit in healing containers and support people in their psychedelic trips. It's like, that's really different. You know, I didn't have any models to fit that. And, and that's what a real calling I think is all about, right? Like it's, it's like our unique expression of, spirit in the world and um so generally what i would say is when you resolve trauma awareness around your calling naturally follows it's like um there's a seed in the dirt but there's a giant friggin brick over that seed you just remove the brick you don't have to do anything else just stay aware water that little spot in and in a, in a flower will naturally unfold you know Um, that's what I see over and over Mm -hmm. again in my practice. And, and so, and so it's a dance between, and then it's like, you know, the analogy starts to break down because it's not like a one time event, right? It's like, there's multiple layers of rocks to clear and that sort of thing. But the constant, like you release the pressure human spirit will naturally turn towards their calling and um and who they really are and what they really want to do in the world it's just going to look different than the job that they have or even the relationship they're in and so part of the hero's journey is like how do i orient my whole life towards who i am and what i want to do really and and there's something innate about it that is beneficial like i don't really believe someone's calling is to cause harm to the world, right? Like I would consider that more of a trauma response or an unconscious acting out of something. You know? So
0: you believe that at, at our deepest level, we're all essentially good,
1: intrinsically good,
0: yeah. which is yeah. different than a lot of uh, the listeners have probably been brought up um, with more Western values. Sure. Like we're born with well, sin. original sin. Yeah, yeah. There's something wrong with us. It's a totally yeah. different paradigm shift to to believe, mm. and I'm I'm in line with you too. Mm.
1: Uh, Yeah, and you know, it's like that. So that both and thing, it's like when we acknowledge that we're both and we're both the light and the dark, we're both the light and shadow, right? Like, there is something intrinsically uh, transcendent about that awareness. That, yeah, that we step into this space of I am that. I mean, there is that's like I am that. That's like like Western mysticism, right there. You know, name of God, right? Like I am that. Uh, We see that we are all that is, but there is an inherent. Uh, capacity for care and love and compassion it's like those are those are parts of the like those are aspects of the of consciousness itself you know it's like separation causes anxiety and harm you know um,
0: well it seems like um, in someone's struggle to find out you know who they are and what their calling is they have to go through periods of not knowing and trials and tribulations to find that and questioning of the self and um lots and lots of failure and things like that and being mm. shattered completely and brought back and together back, yeah i don't know it's, many people who mm. found their calling just um naturally from the get-go everyone mm. has some sort of pain it's or part of the story. process yeah. i think
1: it's part of the process like you got to work for it it's got to be something meaningful if it's not if you could just walk right into it you would completely not acknowledge it as valuable right so the part of the Part of the struggle makes it worth it or makes it at least interesting, you know, and Mm -hmm. and I tell people like psychedelics provide that for us. They provide those experiences. And with the analogy, like which I enjoy to use, like I grew up um, watching Indiana Jones, Mm -hmm. you know, and like that very first scene of him going through the through the temple, you know, looking for that little red head or the golden head, you know, and he almost dies like five times. You know, it's like all those struggles made it like the adventure. It made like that's what he was you know looking for you know like he wasn't like just the gold head was just was just like oh i got it you know he wanted the, he wanted the adventure adventure, adventure yeah. you know because so, yeah
0: his, his uh the the things he would all, his treasures he would always bring back would always be taken from him. yeah
1: right like he would always lose right. it right like yeah so he'd have to go out and go on adventure again. again right like that was his thing you know sure. and so like if we if he could just walk right in there pick up the head and walk out like somebody would have done that already yeah. right like uh like, the struggle makes it meaningful. Mm. It's just, you don't have to always suffer in the struggle, right? You don't have to always be, like, traumatized by it. It can, um, it can be positive struggles. It's like, I'm attempting to make a program that I hope to be world transforming, right? Like, mm. that's really hard, you know? Um, uh, and it's been, like you said, how many times can you get shattered and pull yourself together? It's like, that becomes, like, just the way of life. <laughs> like, put yourself back together, right? And,
0: right, but um, you, can, you can flip the the story around on that too and and start to see it as the process is exciting in and of itself too like through my Mm -hmm. trauma as an addict uh, I never thought I'd become an addiction counselor and now Mm -hmm. I'm I'm great at what I do but you know it's not something I ever wanted to do Mm -hmm. growing up Mm -hmm. and now again going back to school to start a PhD program like I'm rediscovering or recreating who I am again you know starting again from uh, square one to Make something greater. You yeah, know? you're
1: leveling up. Yeah. Like, I like to think of like these experiences as like leveling up. Yeah, and it's know,
0: exciting like, to mm-hmm. me. Like, like I'm in the midst of you're in the beginning of phase again. Yeah, mm-hmm. creationism towards self and remastering. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: and you probably, I mean, I don't know you specifically in this way, but like you probably just didn't choose a PhD randomly. Like there is a reason that you're going into you know, social work and getting a PhD right like that's that's like a manifestation of your calling Mm
0: -hmm. yeah because my calling um, is uh, psychedelic assisted therapies Mm -hmm. and uh, that wave is coming and I want to be on the crest of that Mm -hmm. new newly rediscovered um, Mm -hmm. old way you know the Mm -hmm. shamanic way I studied shamanism in college Mm -hmm. and I had psychedelic experiences on my own and Mm -hmm. Uh, Buddhist background and things like that and being able to say in my lifetime I think I'll be able to call myself legitimately like a licensed Mm -hmm. um, psychedelic therapist I think is totally possible Mm -hmm. and uh, Mm -hmm. I'm hoping to pursue studies like that in my in my PhD yeah and you can do that now
1: right like maybe even five or ten years ago that would have been not possible in the same way right yeah we're part of a cusp of like we're on the cusp of something world transforming and uh and like we've used it anal- now i've heard analogies like um psychedelics to the soul and healing uh the psyche psychological work is uh the equivalent to um penicillin you know and and the treatment of infections right like that was world transforming and it's like yeah like and and i i, I i'm so uh blessed to be able to say I'm already a psychedelic therapist and and I had to The only way I could say that it was by working with cannabis you know and I and so part of my calling was like figuring out how to be a psychedelic therapist before I could legally do so and that's and it was all these novel new ways of perceiving what was already happening in the present moment and and, um, yeah it's I I see healing that's not supposed to happen all the time and how could I not do that right like Mm -hmm. Or support you in doing it, and like everybody I know in in doing this, right, like it would be the equivalent of saying, no, you shouldn't take penicillin if you're sick, um, you know, just because people didn't have access to it before
0: I love that, <laughs> I, I love that analogy too, and I, I like to take it in a different direction as well. Um, I talked to James Fadiman uh, out at the at the conference that we went to in Oakland, and he thought that you know there's not enough um, there's a lot of great focus on healing and stuff with psychedelic medicines, and that's probably a great path uh, mm-hmm. to legitimize the use and legalize it. Mm-hmm. But um, I have particular interest in uh, performance enhancement capabilities, mm-hmm. yeah, human optimization, yeah, human evolution of consciousness. Yeah. Um, and talk to him at great length about how I use it or have used it personally in the past, um, you know, microdosing during jujitsu mm-hmm. and and getting into flow states that mm-hmm. are more readily accessible and last longer mm-hmm. and um you know i feel you know better balance and greater mm-hmm. strength increases greater endurance uh greater perceptive awareness greater somatosensory experiences mm-hmm. you have uh, more time access dilation. to your brain right you know yeah more connections and yeah. i'm putting pieces together and so i definitely notice performance enhancing capabilities mm-hmm. and i feel like at those low doses especially with the low toxicity of some of these substances then um, this is something that you know Silicon Valley's already catching on big time but as far as Joe Rogan has been talking about recently how the, he knows a lot of professional fighters that mm-hmm. are now microdosing. Yeah, for performance. Speak to that yeah, yeah so um, I have a real interest yeah. in that too but um, mm-hmm. I mean what do you what do you what do you see in our field what do you what are your thoughts on that piece
1: um, it, it's like at this point, it's obvious, you know, and, and, you know, Terrence McKenna talks about the idea of psychedelics leading to our evolution, you know, particularly like mushrooms, right? The because, stoned ape theory. Yeah, the stoned right. ape theory, it gave, it gave a particular ape, a particular competitive advantage, uh, evolutionarily speaking, than people, than sp- Apes that didn't use them, right? You know, and uh, and we're seeing that re starting to manifest again. Is that the people who are using psychedelics? It's not that they're wrong or bad. It's like actually they have a competitive advantage to people who don't use psychedelics. And um, and so that's like the 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 so, like the social control mechanism. It's like keep everybody suppressed, keep everybody at this low level of functioning, so that they can be coerced and like so they can work and do their job and not question authority and all of that and psychedelics break all of that down you know and and it gives us more access to our brain which gives us more access to creative thinking and that's happening in the um in like the um you know the uh software companies it's at this point it's like who's not doing low dose micro dosing with lsd in in certain creative endeavors um and that those who are like 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 and there, there's some like serious Traps to this use of psychedelics, because what if there's no moral compass in that space, like oh, we could be better weapons manufacturers mm-hmm. because we love
0: those lsd you create a bigger bomb or you know something.
1: create a bigger yeah. bomb or come up with a new way of blowing something mm-hmm. up, which is kind of what Einstein did in anyway. like like that was a like these are powerful tools, you know mm-hmm. so we need we need to have a morality around them and an ethics around them um and like judge. Um, programs around intentions of why they're you know why they're engaging you know uh, psychedelics I personally believe that because because I think that might be like a um, a check to um, inappropriate uses of psychedelics you know like so like like creating an economic system that's more oppressive right like um, there are Nazis that use LSD. Oh There's, yeah, totally. Um,
0: they use psychedelics all the time in experiments, and mm-hmm. I mean, just because these things are used in medicine and healing contexts, doesn't mean that there aren't people out there mm-hmm. that try and use them and. Oh my god our own government I heard about this study where we dosed an entire French town yeah I read about that yeah they
1: called it the something episode or whatever yeah and then we
0: we just studied how everyone freaked out I think there Uh were a couple homicides and things that Uh happened like Uh total irresponsible they blamed
1: it on the on the water supply like uh, like bad bread or something yeah something like that yeah I read about that yeah our government's done shit like that like can you weaponize psychedelics and answer is probably yeah Probably. probably could you know um um but they, you know, and, and uh, that's a good question. You know, MK Ultra was a big one. Mm-hmm. I'm really curious about filing uh, FOIA requests around DMT use. Like, were there DMT experiments in the government? I'm really curious about that. You know, like, how could they not experiment with DMT if they were doing LSD and other things, you know? Um,
0: well, they didn't decriminalize or they didn't criminalize it until that was one of the latest ones to become criminalized, right? Like in the late the 90s or something or early 2000s? No, 5MeO
1: DMT was like decriminalized or criminalized not too long ago. I don't know when NMDMT was criminalized. Hmm. You know, um, yeah, they weren't, I don't think there was any research going on, at least above board in academics mm-hmm. after
0: 72 when all the funding got shut off. You know, but they've got to be doing all sorts of crazy shit with, with stuff we've never even heard of, too. Like, it's very
1: possible, right? Like, so, so the idea of psychedelics gives us the idea well, if we can manipulate the mind in this way maybe we can manipulate it in this way you know and like there's a great comic book on um, shit what's that called invisibles or something? Oh, I don't remember but where they they like the government conspiracy they developed a drug that if you read anything it was the same as like experiencing it so if you read and they were using it as a torture device so they would give a they would show a note of hey I'm cutting your fingers off now person would experience like oh, have an experience of their fingers getting cut off you know and so it was like the way they were torturing people it's like anything's possible with these medicines you know just tweak a molecule or mm-hmm. you know tweak the, the 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 connections of different atoms together create really weird results you know and um so we need to pay attention to that you know and, and cannabis could become legalized in the same way right like this idea read like uh Brave New World and the drug Soma, where they were, you know, this idea of Soma is like it's like a, what's they call it, the f- like the drink of the gods, nectar of the gods, union of God, right? Um, and They've the talked about it throughout history, too. yeah, and, yeah, and so, but in nineteen and in the book Brave New World, Soma was like a mind, uh, like a behavioral control drug. It just made everybody kind of like numb. Um, we could do that with cannabis, you know. Like you could totally create a particular strain that felt good, and you just didn't do anything. You didn't turn people into zombies. You didn't, you know, just like you're compliant. You comply to everything, you know. Like you enjoy watching TV or whatever. You know, it's like the opposite of waking up, and that's totally feasible. Um, you know, and probably in the future it's probably going to be a mix of that. You know, cannabis or all these drugs used in these ways, and the same medicines used in liberating ways you know so like Mm -hmm. we have to be a voice for the liberation so that the like the other side doesn't just automatically win right or the Philip Morris's of the world don't automatically win yeah at this
0: point at this point in the wave of um, psychedelics coming into mainstream again you know this new renaissance it's it's no longer a a pleasure for us to come out and speak to the positive aspects of it but it's it's now a responsibility because the other side exists because mm-hmm. the other side is doing work to try and weaponize and trying mm-hmm. to to mm-hmm. demonize and trying to control these things in the drug war. It's, mm-hmm. it's a responsibility for us to step mm-hmm. up because mm-hmm. if we don't they they are going to win. Those things are mm-hmm. happening. You mm-hmm. know, it, uh, it's not, it's not just all
1: mm-hmm. one
0: sided in our favor, you know?
1: Right. Yeah. No, I don't think we can get, we can like, um, be secure in the reality that always psychedelic medicine use or cannabis use is always positive, you know, but, you know, it's like for me, my activism is my healing practice. You know, I use cannabis. I'm exploring how to bring it into the mainstream, you know, but I like, I'm, I don't always just like, I'm not just speaking about the medicine. It's Like I'm actually using it to heal. And, and, um, my hope is, and it's, it's starting to happen. It took a while, but like that catches on and just happens on a larger scale, you know? And, and, um, and what would it look like to create an, like an engine of trauma resolution on a large scale, and that's what that's what they're hoping to do with MDMA, right? But you know, there's so many constraints to these um, practices still that we have to like. To me, it's like all hands on deck at this point. All medicines, right now, underground, above board, scientific, clinical, medical, religious. It's like yes, please. We need all the help we can get right now because like. Um, we have 12 years before we have systemic global collapse, you know, and um, and so we have kind of a time frame here that we need to engage and be conscious of. Where'd you get
0: 12 years from?
1: There is a uh, inter intergovernmental panel on climate change that said if we don't enact systemic change within 12 years, it's the equivalent of like 60 percent of our um, uh, coral reefs dying versus ninety percent. You know, so like there's this twelve year period of like, oh, we're I guess lucky. This is our last shot. This is our last shot. And if we do everything now within this time frame, we'll only lose sixty percent of the global um ecology versus ninety percent. And so, um, I love the idea of research. You know, I think it's really important. But in this larger context, it's like do we have time to, like, do it the right way in the, like, the uh, mainstream appropriate way? Do we really have the time to do that? Or do we need to, like, say, no, this is a protest, you know? Like, there's there's movements going on. Like, what do they call them? The um, Extinction Rebellion, you know? Like, there are, you know, young people are starting to say, hey, wait a second, like why aren't you stopping fossil fuels right now? This is mm-hmm. our earth, you know, like, and we're going to, we're going to shut the system so down. Grass roots, grassroots, yeah. grassroots, organ, or, you know, organic, um,
0: organized still, but um, not, uh, no, no red tape, no bureaucracy well, to have what, to jump
1: through. Yeah, right. And that's what I was able to do with cannabis is just like to start experimenting and exploring what can I do with this medicine? It's already legal. I don't have to get FDA approval to work yeah, that's with it this I'm, way.
0: I'm hoping to work with, uh, like I said, uh, ketamine assisted mm-hmm. psychotherapy for my uh, dissertation because it is legal and mm-hmm. uh, it's actually just been classified as a breakthrough drug by uh, the United Nations and um, you know it's it's really gonna for come. depression is that though
1: yeah. That yeah that's it's, the nasal spray the new nasal spray or um, is that that's something, that's just a new application, that's just an application. Of it, but, mm-hmm.
0: um, yeah, uh, IM and IV injections. Uh, um, oh, that's great! That I didn't cathodes. know that about yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, so it's a breakthrough status. So uh-huh. all the research is going to open up in the next couple uh-huh. of years for the potential. Uh-huh. And ketamine is definitely—it's uh, not a classic psychedelic, but mm-hmm. it—you know—with the legitimate legitimacy of those studies coming out, uh, I think it's going to help fuel other studies for other Mm. medicines
1: yeah there's no doubt I mean we're already in that snowball effect it's already happening right like what if what if legalization is totally inevitable you know and and so and so really we have to pay attention to policing our own communities Making sure perpetrators aren't like getting into positions of leadership and authority mm-hmm. uh calling out uh inappropriate behavior that unethical, like, unethical behavior of like uh our leadership structures and healers you know and and that's starting to happen um uh but you know like if we do you, are you a licensed therapist? Do you yeah. have your LPC? I'm um, not. Your a LAC? LAC. LAC. You know, so like there's a code of conduct there, Absolutely. right? So like the future of psychedelic therapy is we're going to have like a code of conduct. We're going to have grievance boards and all of that. And code of ethics. And there's reasons that LACs and LPCs and all of that have these because people break those rules. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing is happening in the psychedelic community. So the future is more regulation. If we want to be above board, we're going to have to be regulated. It's just. Maybe it's not quite the same ethics as an LPC, you know, or an LAC, just or this, you know, or an, a minister, right? These are different professional codes of ethics. So,
0: so that's really where I think we're going to be heading. If, I agree, you know. And speaking of directions that we're heading, I wanted to make sure that uh, we touch on uh, DMTX a little bit, uh, mm-hmm. because last time I heard you speak about it was fascinating to me about extended state DMT and being able. Like the potential to be hooked up to a machine that keeps you in a state of uh, DMT consciousness for multiple days uh, just seemed um, insane. It seems, <laughs> yeah, scary, it's scary. Like, Wait, what? Yeah. But, but also, uh, like, I wanted to sign up. That you want to sign? Yeah, that's like, the, ho- Put yeah. me on the list, please. That's, that's uh, the
1: normal responses. Holy shit, that scares the shit out of me. And how? Do, how do I sign D&T up? DMT is so
0: powerful. You get so much information, and mm. it's hard to bring mm. back. All the download, mm-hmm. um, but with the extended yeah, state and mm-hmm. the mindfulness practices mm-hmm. and you know for skillful practitioners, I believe that that space holds mm-hmm. maybe so many keys to existence mm-hmm. and to question like philosophical questions, scientific questions, mm-hmm. questions that we have not been unable to solve for many mm-hmm. many yeah incarnations mm-hmm.
1: yeah, you know so I think that's like the creative problem solving. Uh, capacities of psychedelics like on steroids. It's like exponentially like uh, evocative, right? And so we're looking at creating states like what's just above the threshold level, right? So a low-dose DMT experience that's extended. So like it's not like a peak where you're like super high dose, you know, for like five minutes. But imagine being able to break through the threshold, be in that DMT state, but at a lower level that was then leveled out for an extended period and so the idea is maybe it's not going to be as fast you'll be able to have a conversation with that whatever it is that's talking to you you'll be able to teach you things and then you'll be able to bring that back and if you're working with a brain that's already an expert in something like um i like to think of like say a climate scientist or something who's working on ways to like keep the planet alive like what if DMT can work on a brain that way to provide novel solutions to global oh. problems and so it's like that's what we're playing with is a, is like a create like a crisis problem-solving machine Wow you know and, that's uh, incredible yeah with using
0: the, the human consciousness and the human biomass to to manifest these these answers these uh, mm-hmm. universal um, truths yeah that's a that's,
1: yeah that's or like a, a advanced technology that like transforms the world right like or I don't know what that looks like right like these solutions are outside of my consciousness but I do have an idea it's like wait we could create a machine though that could induce the a, a high probability of creating new solutions you know and so it's like the opposite of LSD microdosing, you know or whatever but it's like it's part of that mm-hmm. same tradition with psychedelics and um you know it's like the iphone right like like internet right uh uh these are all things that were uh uh genetics right these are all influenced by psychedelics you know it's like what are we don't know we don't know yet you know and um and so it's a real thing you know it's like what's really happening we have a whole team working on it and uh, uh we're, we're scouting sites right now for the expeditions it's going to be out of the country uh, because like legalize you know trying to do it in a legal container in the United States is like we're looking at that, but it's a multi multi year process mm-hmm. and I'm I'm ready to get started. So it'll either be like in Peru or Costa Rica and we're looking at places there. Yeah, I'm
0: ready to and have you get started too.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. So the goal is to experiment with it. There are people in London working on the equation right now that weren't you know a different team but they're they're really solid and um and to implement a program around it get it out of the research context and like maybe make a retreat experience around this process so
0: what about the the possibility of like if you're you know if you break your hip or your leg you're laying in a bed in the hospital you can control the morphine right Mm -hmm. what about that possibility where for for an experienced journey worker um they can reach like a lower level and have Mm -hmm. that conversation but then say Mm -hmm. okay i'm done here i want to go to a higher space and
1: Mm -hmm. then up the dose yeah at some point you won't be able to push the button anymore you right, because you're going to gonna be, a be governor. Yeah, well, honor. you're just well, you're. You, you, I mean, you wouldn't even. You won't have enough oh, awareness capacity, of your body yeah. to push the button anymore. Totally. Um, and there, there's some theor- There's some it's a some so. mythos, some psychedelic mythos that these LSD. I forget the story, but these LSD guys um, manufacturers were like had a had a chair hooked up with one of those morphine drips, and they put DMT in it, and that's how they would trip. That's a that's a little different because the um, the blood levels in your body of DMT are gonna not be stable. And so you're gonna, like, you're gonna be able, you're gonna keep pushing the button until you can't push it anymore because you're gonna be out there somewhere. And then you're gonna come back down and you're gonna be like, oh, I'm coming back down, so I'm gonna push the button some more. So you're, you're kind of going in and out, waving in and out of the experience. Mm-hmm. And my experience of, like, doing DMT in that way is that sometimes the channel changes pretty drastically between. Intervals, mm-hmm. like you go to a different place each time. Mm-hmm. So if you could imagine not having to do that, just staying right where you're, like Stay you're keyed through. in. You're keyed into that state that you want to be in, and you don't have to leave it. You know. Um, so, so it's a new technology. That's it's awesome. a novel technology.
0: Yeah. Um, so if people want to know more about medicinal mindfulness, about um, your up and coming spiritual nonprofit, about DMTX, about Anything that you want to do, how do they find you? Website, social media? Yeah,
1: we, we're on uh, Facebook and all of that, Instagram, Medicinal Mindfulness. Uh, my website's medicinalmindfulness.org. And then if you're if people are interested in uh, learning how to facilitate psychedelic cannabis experiences, uh, we have a new website called psychedelic sitter school.org. And if you want to learn about the DMTX program, it's DMTX.org. And they're all kind of connected. And if you go to one of them, you'll find the others. Um, and we are we're always looking for volunteers you know because of the nature of our work our volunteers have to go through our first level training program you know because i'm putting them in psychedelic sit you know like they're acting as psychedelic sitters in my programs and stuff so they need to be able they need to be trained and have a, like a shared vocabulary to engage that work but uh it's a community um and we're exploring like non-medical non-clinical m- models um to be psychedelic therapists, so we work with a lot of um, non-therapists, you know, not people who don't have clinical backgrounds, um, and under a religious context, you know, and I use that word very loosely, you know. So we're starting a religious nonprofit called Center for Medicinal Mindfulness, um, and that's we're we're just starting that process right now. So by the by September, we'll have a nonprofit to support the evolution of these medicine uses. Um, novel consciousness exploration and trauma resolution, but in non clinical non medical settings and um, and it 's been really fascinating you know uh, the sitter school is a five day program uh, it 's at a retreat this year um, and so it 's five days, five psychedelic trips that people go on with cannabis, and I teach them how to sit for others and how to make cannabis a psychedelic and um, and uh, engage it in that way for your own, like, like your own martial arts practice, you know, like mm-hmm. your own psychedelic cannabis practice. And
0: nice. it's gonna be great. Well, Daniel, I want to thank you again, you know, for coming, mm-hmm. you know, you've been, uh, you've always been a good friend of mine, uh, since we started hanging <clears throat> out a, a couple of years ago doing this kind of work. And, um, you know, I really appreciate you taking the time before, yeah. We go head over to CSU for the CSU Psychedelic Club talk, yeah. which should be on social media too. So check that out too uh, if you want to see yeah. Daniel speak. Um, but yeah, thank you for doing this. I yeah, really you're welcome, it.
1: man. It was great, great being here. I'm glad you asked me.
0: Yeah, so and we have uh, let's oh, do it again. Yeah, so um, yeah, we'll have you. Yeah, we'll have you again, and we'll talk about deeper, or deep topics all over the all over the place.
1: Yeah, so. yeah. All right, man. Let's keep going.
0: It's good to see you. Yeah. Bye. Wow, holy crap, what an amazing episode that was. Uh Daniel and I got really deep into some uh, amazing conversation and I hope you all enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed making it. Um so thank you everybody for listening to the podcast. Uh it was a great episode. Please stay tuned. Uh we have some great guests coming up. Um it was really cool after this podcast Daniel and I went to uh this Colorado State University psychedelic club meeting and uh, he gave another presentation. Um And what was interesting is he, I think he went in there wanting to talk about medicinal mindfulness, but ended up talking a lot more about the things that we had talked about on the podcast. Uh, It was kind of synchronistic that, you know, he kind of opened up the format and, um, all the questions from the audience were, you know, right in line with what, what he and I had been talking about on the podcast, just an hour or two before that club meeting. So that was really cool to see. Uh, it was kind of a. He and I shared a moment in the in the middle of the uh the club meeting. Um, it was pretty cool um, when we met eyes and we were like, "Oh, we just talked about this, uh, so it was pretty cool." Anyway, uh, if you like the podcast, please donate, please continue to listen, and please like and share uh, when we do post it to social media. Also, check out our MindOps YouTube page and our MindOps website. That's mind com, and the YouTube page is mind-ops. Just search on there. We're going to be uploading some um, video podcasts on there, and we also have a number of videos sort of breaking down some of the the deep concepts that we go into as well as some strategies to improve your overall experience of consciousness. So until next time, keep on trucking and uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next time. What a great time. Have fun.